This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club. Don't laugh at me, you doofus. <laughs> this is the Internet's Book Club and just by listening, you're a member. My name is Colin Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. And if you can't tell, <laughs> we are back together. We're in person again. Woo! And what that means is that I could I have to sit here and watch Sydney laugh at me <laughs> as I make noises, which is really, really off-putting. It's so <laughs> it's so distracting as that happens. It's been so long since we recorded in person. Like and it's been like what, three months? Four months? I don't even know. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a hot minute. A minute, yeah. And you know what? We're back and we're better than ever, and we are still reading. I say it as if we have been going for a we while. We just started. We've just started The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Um, we are this week reading chapters three through six. Yes. So while last week was really, really awkward the way I had to type it out in the <laughs> title because there are chapters that were unnumbered, this week it's easy. It's three, four, five, and six. Yep. Read those. You're going to hear some uh, chapters this week by a new character whose name is Shalon. Yeah. And some chapters this week by a character we've already met twice whose name is Kaladin. Kaladin! And so, uh, yeah, I don't think, is there anything else we need to do before I get into it? Um, Before we start, we're going to give a shout out to someone really quick. Oh, heck uh, yeah. Probably our, big, our biggest fan. Yeah. The, <laughs> um, the, uh, the single most interactive <laughs> person that we have um, who listens to us. So... Just some backstory real quick. Um, Colton and I last night were in the car with one of our friends and I got the message on Instagram that someone commented and I read it out loud to Colton and we both smiled. Yeah, it was it, so it sweet. It made our day. So um, Han Solo or Ian Han, uh, if you're listening, which I hope you are, we appreciate <laughs> your comments. They make our days. Yeah. Um, they're, they're sweet. Uh, I'm excited to read this. Yeah, Look, go ahead. I know you said in your comment, you said that you're really pumped for this series. So that makes me really happy. I'm really pumped to read this book. Absolutely. So I'm really excited. And I, we're, yeah, we're really, really uh, grateful for you listening. And s- other listeners, if you want to go see what he said, you can follow us on Instagram. The link is in the description. Yeah. So you can go down there. You can find us, see what we do. Uh, Sydney makes great posts at one-ish times a week, depending on how motivated she's feeling one-ish times a week. I've been really busy the last like two <laughs> weeks or so with moving back into school and then everything I had to do once I got here. The, I've been a little bit behind, but um, I'm, I'm getting back on schedule of being back in college and dealing with all of that. Absolutely. All the jazz that comes with being a college student again. Which, if you didn't know, we are, by the way. <laughs> there are some people who seem to think that we're much older than we are. <laughs> we are children. <laughs> We're not children. We are almost adults. We're we're technically adults. We're at that awkward stage in between full adulthood and not children anymore. I'm at the stage where people see me and think I'm an adult, but I see me and think I'm a child. (laughs) And so it's kind of hard. But um, anyway... Uh, we're going to get into it. I'm, I go first this week, so I'm going to talk about uh, chapter three. But before we get into chapter three, next to it, there's a little drawing, which we learned this week. It's from the sketchbook of the lady whose perspective we see of Shalon's, uh Like she has basically Shalon sketches things. That's yeah. part of her thing. And she has, we see a page from her sketchbook where she's sketching out what, what are called sky eels. So I'm going to read the little like blurbs she put next to her drawings. They say sky eels are common near most coastal cities. We pass. I had read of them often and was excited to see them. Most are between four and five feet long, though one spotted monster that uh, I I spotted one monster, sorry, that must have been seven feet from snout to tail. 
they are so grateful and and what is it? They are so grateful and flu graceful and fluid in the air. Wow, that was awful. This stuff is hard to read. It's, it's like it's small okay, and my, incursive. Yes. Colton's book is bigger than mine, but my book is literally so hard to read that I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh, that's what that says. <laughs> like I can read bits and pieces of it, but it's so tiny and the writing is so little and it's so like cramped together cursive that it's like, oh, what does that say? Yeah. So so forgive me for my little stumbles and bumbles around. <laughs> uh, they are often accompanied by dozens of tiny spread flying around them in a swarm as if riding their way, wa- uh, their waves, their wakes. The sailors call them luck spread. I doubt that is their true name. Okay, Shalon, <laughs> sassy. How does the creature stay in the air? I noticed some sort of, I noticed some sort of pouch under each wing that deflates as it dives. They got some wing pouches. Good to know. Wing pouches. They seek fish just below the water's surface, or crabs and rats on the docks, and aren't nearly as graceful when on land. All righty. That's all we know about the freaking sky eels. Yeah, these drawings are really cool, though. Yeah. I do like them. I like the the addition of them. If you're wondering what a sky eel looks like, picture an eel. But it End of sentence. Yeah. With some wings. Eels don't have the little, like, yeah, they have, like little flowy little, they got little side flaps. Things. All right. Finally, we can begin. Uh, chapter three, City of Bells. And then the little, like, death rattle blurb thing. <laughs> says a man stood on a cliffside and watched his homeland fall into dust the water surged beneath so far beneath and he heard a child crying they were his own tears dark that feels like not like what someone said because mm. the others have been like sentences. Se- sentences but that one feels like a poem yeah it feels like yes a poem or like a story that someone was telling yep not like an actual death like before you die sense yes Collected on the year, uh, collected on the fourth of Tenetus, year eleven seventy one, thirty seconds before death. Subject was a cobble, cobbler of some renown. Good for him. <laughs> of he, some renown. Yeah, he got he built up a little following of cobblin. I w- cobblin. I would love to be a cobblin, a cobblin man. A co- I don't think that's the right word. Yeah, a cobblin man. I don't think that's uh, right, Colin. But yeah, so still, still death rattles. City, have you noticed that they've all come in the same year? Yeah, I have noticed that. Why do you think that is? Um. Well, maybe that year has something to do with uh, the thing that happened last week at the beginning. With Kaladin's the, thing or the big boys? No, the, the big the ten, the people. ten people. Got it. <laughs> My guess is that that has something to do with either right after they departed or right, right before or something along those lines. It's somewhere around then. Okay, yes. continuing. Uh, it opens with a girl named Sh- uh, Shalon arriving to a place, place called Cabranth City of Bells. And to describe, she's, she's with a bunch of uh, Thalen sailors. Yeah. Thalen, by the way, are the people with the long eyebrows who's also the slaver that Kaladin's dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both from they're both from Thalena. They're both Thalen. Yeah, don't they have like white hair or something like white that? White hair and extremely long eyebrows that yeah. they style like they put back over their ears and stuff. Yeah. Which is a cool detail. I don't that know. Is a cool I feel detail. like that'd be a cool thing for a real per- a real like group to have. Yeah. Um, but the to describe the city, I feel like it's picture a mountain that's been kind of hollowed out and it's built in a cone shape. So at the bottom of the mountain, there are uh like cities and it goes yeah. up and up to the top where there's like a castle that's carved directly into the top of the mountain. Yeah. Um, it's built that way to buff it against high storms is what they say later on. Yeah. Uh, if you're unsure what that means, if you're Sydney, uh, you'll learn later. Well, uh, I just assume it's basically like a really aggressive storm, right? It's a good guess. Like, um, I mean, yeah, like thunderstorm, guess. but maybe more aggressive. Um, 
so Shalon, we learn, is not a very good, not a very like common traveler. She doesn't yeah. travel much. She spends most of her life locked in her father's uh, manor. Uh, we learn that uh, she's been chasing after a woman named Yasna. And Sydney, if you're wondering, I know the name is weird. The audiobook says Yasna. I'm pretty sure I've heard an interview with Brandon Sanderson where he said Jasna. So I'm just going to go with the audiobook because that's the one I hear the most often. Yeah. So we'll just say Yasna for this book. Okay. If listener, if you have an issue with that, you can take it up with my manager, who is Sydney. <laughs> Why am I the manager? <laughs> if you have a problem with me calling her Yasna, you can take it up with Sydney. She'll she'll deal with you in a very probably elegant way that I will hear about later. <laughs> if someone mentions a Sydney sending hate that I said Yasna, I'm gonna be really it's gonna make me laugh. <laughs> Hop on that. That'd be that'd be a good foot time. What? Joking hate. If you do this, do not be actually mean. <laughs> To, to her she's my friend but it would be really <laughs> funny if you guys actually said her something like i can't believe <laughs> you say yasna anyway um she's tracking down yasna she's trying to be her ward is that right ward is that what she's trying to be yeah something like yeah, that her ward so like kind of like her intern i think of apprentice yes apprentice intern kind of that yeah that type thing yasna is a colon which means that she is a uh, brother to the uh, Gavilar Colin who that died, aunt me, of the king. Took me a hot minute to figure out when I first started reading this. I was like, why do I recognize that last name? And mm. then I got to the next chapter or one of the next chapters we read. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK. I understand that she's the sister of the king who got murdered. And no, sorry, wife. No, sister. daughter, daughter, daughter. Oh, Okay, well, she's the sister of the king, current king, the, the living current king. king. I said it wrong earlier. She's she's the daughter of of uh, Gavilar, sibling to Elokar. Oh, okay. I thought Gavilar. I thought the current king was Gavilar's sibling, also. No. The current king is Gavilar's son, who is sibling to Yasna. Oh. Although, sorry, the reason you're confused is there's a guy named Dalinar Colin who is the brother of Elokar uh, of Gavilar Colin. Oh, I'm going to start over. These names are too similar. Here's what happened. Gavilar Colin had two kids with his wife, whose name is Navani. Yeah. Uh, the kids are named Yasna and Elokar. Uh -huh. Gavilar also had a brother whose name is Dalinar. Everybody but Gavilar that I just listed is still alive. Elokar is the king. Okay. Everyone follow? Everyone follow. Sure. Cool. Good. What do you say, sure? What are you confused <laughs> about? No, I'm good. Go. Continue. Um, Anyway, she because she's not a really big traveler, she finds herself like breathless and, and awed by how beautiful this big city she's going to is. I would relate to um, that. And the uh, the captain who's here, who is his name? Uh, what is her name? Just Captain? No, his name is Tazbek. Tazbek, which you can tell is from the same uh, area as Tuvlakov. Both, yeah. both names. All, I really appreciate. You could tell without him ever saying in these books, if you get used to it, you can hear a name and tell where they're from. Because the names have like a similar kind of style depending on where they're from. Yeah. Like you can hear Dalinar, Elokar, Gavilar. Those yeah. are all very similar sounding names. Lar. <laughs> Lar. And then, yeah. So it, it's it's cool. So all the names that have all of their sounds kind of mushed together really hard is uh, they're probably Thalen. Yeah. Um, And so uh, they get to the place and they the the captain sends his wife to go check out uh, if the – if. Yasna had left because apparently they've been on a big wild goose chase chasing Yasna for the past like six is six ish months. Yeah. Uh chasing her down. Yep. And uh it turns out the the 
Sailor comes back and saying that uh, Yasna has not left yet. So she yep. she is still in uh, the city of Bells. So they've they've made it. They caught her. Woo! And so now uh, now Shalon is kind of sent to go do it. But before she does, they're trying to establish that Shalon is a like loose of tongue, like yeah. super clever little like jokester girl. Yeah. And I kind of want to read the interaction because it makes me laugh so hard because it's not clever or rude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so here it comes. Ah, the captain said, pointing at her. I can see you have a reply. I see it in your eyes, young miss. Spit it out. Words aren't meant to be kept inside, you see. They are free creatures, and if locked away, they will unsettle the stomach. It's not polite, Shalon protested. Tazbek bellowed a laugh. Months of travel, and you still claim that. I keep telling you that we are sailors. We forgot how to be polite the moment we first set foot on a ship. We're far beyond redemption now. She smiled. She had been trained by stern nurses and tutors to hold her tongue. Unfortunately... Her brothers had been even more determined in encouraging her to do the opposite. She made a habit of entertaining them with witty comments when nobody else was near. She thought fondly of hours spent by the crackling great room hearth, the younger three of her four brothers huddled around her, listening as she made sport of their father's newest sycophant or traveling ardent. She'd often fabricated silly versions of conversations to fill the mouths of people who they could see but not hear. That had established in her what her nurses had referred to as an insolent streak. And the sailors were even more appreciative of a witty comment than her brothers had been. Well, Shalon said to the captain, blushing but still eager to speak, I was just thinking this. You say that my beauty coaxed the winds to deliver us to Carbronth with haste. But wouldn't that apply that on other trips, my lack of beauty was to blame for us arriving late? Well, uh... So, in reality, Shalon said, you're telling me I'm beautiful precisely one-sixth of the time. Nonsense, young miss. You're like a morning sunrise, you are. Like a sunrise? By that you mean entirely too crimson? She pulled out her long red hair and prone to making men grouchy when they see me. He laughed and several of the sailors nearby joined in. All right then, Captain Tulsbick said. You're like a flower. She grimaced. I'm allergic to flowers. He raised an eyebrow. No, really, she admitted. I think they're quite captivating. But if you were to give me a bouquet, you'd soon find me in a fit so energetic that it would have you searching the walls for stray freckles I might have blown free with the force of my sneezes. Well, be that true, I still say you're as pretty as a flower. If I am, then young men my age must be afflicted with the same allergy, for they keep their distance from me noticeably, she winced. Now, see, I told you this wasn't polite. Young woman should not act in such an irritable way. Ah, young miss, the captain said, tipping his knit cap toward her. The lads and I will miss your clever tongue. I'm not sure what we will do without you. Sail, likely, she said. And eat, and sing, and watch the waves. All the things you do now, only you shall have rather more time to accomplish all of it, as you won't be stumbling across a youthful girl as she sits on your deck, sketching and mumbling to herself. But you have my thanks, Captain, for a trip that was wonderful, if somewhat exaggerated in length. He tipped his cap to her in acknowledgement. I think... I enjoyed playing her. I enjoyed I playing like, the guy. I liked playing Shalon. She is she is sassy like you, so She's it works so out. She's so fun. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> I, I do like Shalon, but I always... Anytime I read this section, I think it's so funny because it's trying to show how clever she is. But I think... Okay. 
those comments, if I was in a group and these people said them, I would think they're hilarious. Yeah. But like the idea of them. Yeah. But the way she says them, because it's, it's written, I guess. So it's yeah. the way I read them. Uh-huh. It sounds so freaking like noble and like over the top still. <laughs> Entirely too crimson. <laughs> if, if she had said too much red, that would have made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's, I it's, don't know. It's because they have the like medieval Brandon Sanderson speaking style. Yeah. Where they're like kind of the things they say, it's like, Wow, if someone said that out loud, I'd punch them. And that's kind of how everyone talks in these books. <laughs> that's funny. Oh. No, I like her. She's funny. I, I enjoy playing her as a character. I, yeah, she likes I chill. liked being sassy. That was fun. Sassy. Sassy. Um, but anyway, after that happens, Shalon finally manages to get out. And um, and she's going to make her way there. But Tazbek sends somebody with her uh, in order to uh, find like to help her find Yasna. Yeah. Because Yasna has been said she's undoubtedly be in the conclave because Yasna is a incredibly um, known scholar and like researcher. Yeah. And the conclave, uh, if you're wondering, is kind of like where all the stuff is, like the le- like the library and the researcher yeah. center and stuff. Uh-huh. So uh, sh- they said this super smart woman is probably in the place where smart people will go. Yeah. Makes and sense. she was sent to, uh, sent with a person to help her whose name was Yaln. Oh, that is not how I read that. Yalb, Yalb, I was like, Yalb. isn't it Yalb? I, I was like, where'd the end come from? <laughs> Sorry, whose name is Yalb. I did, Yalb. Honestly, I was, while it was, the reason it took me so long to say his name there was because I was frantically searching the page. <laughs> I was going to say And then I was like, you. I remember that it's Y-A-L and then another count consonant. And they like, you guessed the wrong I one. I guessed the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. Tried. Her and Yalb uh, go, Yalb is also very funny. I'm a big fan of him too. Yeah, I like Yalb too. Uh, and so Yalb hires a uh, guy who to pull them in like a little like chariot thing yeah. up the side of the mountain to the top where the conclave is. Yeah. And the guy, it shows a little bit of character for Shalon. Shalon is offered, you want to take the scenic route or the, the quicker way? Yeah. That's less good views. And uh, Shalon decides to take the quicker way because she's really determined to catch Yasna. Yeah, even though she wants to take the scenic route. Yeah, she. but because she's an artist, she... She has a couple times seen something that's pretty and made a notable point to like blink to lock it into her memory so she can sketch it later. Isn't that interesting? How that like does that actually work? Uh, there's some people who have like a photographic memory who that I will work for. I have a pretty photographic memory. Yeah, so it, it might it might work for that, but I it never worked for me. There was these books I read as a kid, and listener, if you've ever read it too, you should let us know because I don't remember what they're called. But there was a woman who the whole character, the whole thing was this like six year old girl had a perfect photographic memory but the way she had to lock things in is she closed her eyes and verbally said click and so she, <laughs> click. she, she would go several times out the book she would see something that's like a clue and go click and it, that's hilarious it, i i thought he, i was too i'm too judgy even as a kid i was like that's dumb <laughs> like um no i i just think i have a pretty good photographic memory like i'm pretty good like if i go to someone's house for the first time or something like that or just go someplace for the first time a lot of times, if I'm in there for a long enough period of time, I can remember fairly well what their house looked like. And mm-hmm. I could, like, in my mind, walk around it, like, if that yeah. makes sense. I am bad at that. So I will never understand what you're talking about. Um, well, I'm a visual learner, not my memory is learner. My memory is cartoon. Have I told you this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I It's not actually cartoon. I used to describe it that way as a kid. Colors and details are get really like washed out my memory, uh-huh. and so when I remember something, it's all in flats. <laughs> like a car- <laughs> it looks like a cartoon in my brain because that's I don't I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, back to it. Uh, they go the, up the go to, up the thing with the guy. 
the the guy pulling it and Yao translating his dialect to Shalon. Yeah. Uh, and it's discovered that the guy at the at top tried to um, uh, o- overcharge Shalon and split the cost with Yao. Yeah. So he tried to because he could tell that Shalon was like a newbie, basically. Yeah. And uh, either way, though, Shalon was kind enough to pay more than what he said was worth it. Yeah. And then uh, she also paid Yao too. Yeah. She's a nice person. Yeah. She's and also, a nice she's ca- she has a lot of money. She's light eyes. Well, she's yeah. paying people. Well, I guess we should also mention she's got a lot. The reason she's part of the reason she's here, I think, is mentioned in this chapter. Maybe mm. it's mentioned in the later one, but it is mentioned briefly, like throughout the. I feel like this chapter, yeah. her father just died. And Dead. she's trying to pretend that her father is not dead. Like yep. her family. They're hiding it. Because they're like in big debt. Yep. And if they don't get the money that they need or whatever. Don't reveal how they're going to get it because it's not revealed to the end of the next chapter. I won't okay. reveal how, they, how they're going to get it. But if they don't get what they need, um, they're going to become like... Destitute. Yes. They're, they're, they're Basically, they're in big trouble. Yep. And so they... Uh, they Essentially, she made a plan with her brothers and a big part of the plan was to her to try and become a ward to Yasna. And it turns out it worked. She was not expecting to get a reply from Yasna, but she did. Yeah. And so she's going to go... Uh, she's going because she got accepted as a ward is what she believes. And so she's chasing this chasing this woman down. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, she pays the guy. She pays Yalb to not leave the area. So when she's yeah. done, she can come back out and find him. Yeah. Um. And uh, then she starts to go in to try and find uh, Yasna inside the conclave. And by the way, this is a good pausing moment. We enter the conclave to be continued. Sydney. Uh, explain to me the culture around women in their clothing from your oh. understanding. Okay. So I know they have to wear like, uh, they wear really long dresses, right? Like, yeah. They're very, very yeah, covered like, anyway. And then they also have, and this is what I was, I texted Colton about this when yep. I first finished reading these chapters. I was a little bit confused, but the women all have, they have what they have a free hand, which is like their hand just normally. Yeah. The out. right hand. It's their right hand. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. You knew that. Sure. I mean, I kind of guessed because that would make the most sense. Yep. And then their other hand is called their safe hand. Yep. And it's like covered mm-hmm. by like their clothes, by yeah, gloves, so, by whatever. Uh, light eye people tend to have their, dre- their dress on that slide. Yeah. The sleeve will come all the way down and clasp over it. So you can't yeah. even see like the form of the hand. Yeah. It's all just like inside of a big basically mitten that's all yeah. one piece. And then dark eyed people who are like workers will tend to wear a glove. Yeah. And that's seen as like, it's kind of like, genuinely, it's a kind of a, a good, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. A good and similar thing is uh, like breasts. The whole idea of we cover them arbitrarily. Yeah. We decided that they're bad and so we hide them. Uh-huh. There's no real, there's no real like reason that they're bad. So taboo. basically their left hand would be yeah, considered it's, bad. It's considered scandalous to show, but like people who, the, the idea of they'll look down on people who show more of it without showing all of it. Does that make uh-huh. sense? Yeah. So like a glove is like wearing a busty cut thing where people uh-huh. people who think of themselves higher mm-hmm. would look down on somebody for wearing that. Yeah. Same deal. Yeah. Um and yeah, so it's 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 seen as honestly it very, very similar to breast too, because it's kind of like sexy. Like yeah. the guys for it's <laughs> later on, the guys are like into the hand, which that's so weird. It's it gets funny because they it, he, the words he used to describe the hands when they come out is like elegant and, <laughs> and like these descriptions of like how beautiful the hand is. That's so weird. It makes me laugh. Well, it's funny because what happens if you're left-handed, if you're a left-handed child? Like you would never know, I guess. But yeah. I mean, I guess you might because maybe things would just feel weird for you when you're little. But and that's a kid you don't wear. They don't wear safe hands as a kid. At a certain point. Okay. At a so certain yeah. age what happens if you're left-handed? 
you, uh, I mean, you can train yourself to, to use your non-dominant well, hand. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so that would just probably end up happening. Or they can still use their safe hand through things. She clutches her drawing pouch. Yeah. Like, she uses her, she's, like, through the mat. She yeah. clutches, clutches her drawing pouch. Um, but, like, writing and stuff, you just have to learn to use it with the right hand. It's weird. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a neat concept, It too. is a neat concept. Uh, I'm a, if you can't tell, listener, I'm a big fan of, like, uh, concepts in fantasy books often that exists because there's a culture clearly that ex- made them happen. Does that yeah. make sense? Clearly there's a culture that made the hands make sense, may have this reason. Yeah. And it's the same culture. Men don't read in these books. Men can't, men can't read and write. Yeah. Feminine arts are involved. Logic, reading, writing, and, the, and like arts, histories, Yeah. the arts, those kind of things. Men only know glyphs, which are like, like hieroglyphs. Yeah, which is funny because that's totally different than like how our culture used to be. Yeah. It used to be the other way around. Like only yeah. men could read and write and women couldn't. But in this culture, it's flip flopped, which I think is interesting too. Well, it's 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 still the kind of thing though. Men are still like seen as the dominant well, ones, yeah. And so they but, have they have like the masculine arts are like war and fighting and sword play, yeah. And it's like like physical things, yeah. And that's that's pretty cool, yeah. Anyway, ch- finding they got there, they're going in now. We're, we've re-entered society. I just wanted to mention that because it says that she put her hand to her chest, and I read and I wanted to take a break to let Sydney explain that. Yeah. Um. She goes in. She raises her hand up in the air in the conclave and what's called a master servant comes up um and uh he asks what she wants she says i'm trying to find yasako lin and then he runs off and a few minutes later he returns and they go you know i also think is interesting they call all the light eye women brightness yeah which i just thought was interesting um i'm pretty sure they also call the men that Oh, but maybe. I, I think it's just darker people call light eye people brightness. Maybe. I'm not 100% sure that's the case. Yeah. But light eye, I, it might just be light eyed women. But yeah. I just noticed it to the women's. Oh, bright so. lord. It's bright lord of the men. Brightness oh, and bright yeah, lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, the, are the terms. Yeah. And then darker people are just dark eyed people. Yeah. Um, And there's something called Don. First Don, second Don. Do you, you notice that? The man who came up to her, um, using her free hand to, to feel a possible. Where does it say where she raised her hand? I'm, did I miss it? The master servant bowed. Most servants prided themselves on the refined service. The same air that Yob had been mocking moments ago. She raised ago. her free hand in a sign of need. And sure enough, a master servant and a Chris. Well, you were a little yeah. ahead of that. Um, but there was, a, there was a spot where essentially there's like levels of how important you are in the dark-eyed group. So you're either light-eyed. Yeah. And then there's like groupings of dark-eyed people who are levels of how important they are. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, moving on. She is... is Throughout all of this, by the way, I'm skipping forward kind of quickly, but throughout all of this, she is spending her time enjoying how beautiful everything is. Yeah. She's very appreciative of beautiful things. Yeah. And also very, she loves logic. She sits here thinking about why do sky eels fly that way? Like that uh-huh. kind of a thing. Yeah. So she is, um, she's very scientifically minded and she spends a lot of time like trying to contemplate and figure things out. Yeah. Um, but the, the slave, the, I thought I said slave, <laughs> the, the servant returns and, uh, so goes to take her to um, Yasna, and um, ya- Shalon gets herself kind of nervous because Yasna is the, is non-religious, and in this area, that's like a big deal. The church has a whole lot of power, and like a uh, what are they called? Ardents. The church has ardents, Sydney, yeah. and ardents are except ex- they're seen as non neither men nor women. They're exempt from all gender yeah. roles. So men man ardents can read, girl ardents can learn to fight, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. And they also like control a lot of stuff artists do, while also owing, owning nothing. They have so the idea is you can't own anything. You're yeah. you're a you're, a, you're a, a piece of property if you become an artist. You can yeah. be bought and sold, um, while still being yeah whatever. But uh, 
ardents still have a lot of political sway. And so there's the church is still very important. Uh-huh. Um, and so the fact that Yasna, the princess, the second in command of the whole kingdom, is a heretic is a big deal. Yeah. And Shalon is very worried that Yasna might make her like renounce her faith or uh give up her religion, like that yeah. kind of thing. Um and she was thinking, like, would I even be willing to do that? Like pretend to do that? Uh-huh. Um but I think she would. I think she would pretend to do it. Uh but anyway. She decides that she's still going to go through and at least try and get to the Yasna's ward um, because it says here their father was dead and it was vital that remained a secret. Yeah. Which is a theory. Um, yeah. Well, but uh, yeah. we can discuss that theory later after her the second. Yeah. The second chapter where she. Comes Absolutely. Um, and essentially uh, she get the chapter ends with her eventually like actually find, walking around the corner to where Yasna was. Uh-huh. And that's the end of my first chapter. Yep. Uh, theories for this thing. Nothing really because we see her again in an, after Sydney's chapter. Yeah. So we'll theorize at the end of our characters' chapters. Okie dokie. Now it's Sydney's time. Yay! Yay! So uh, chapter four, which is called The Shattered Plains. No um, way. Yes way. <gasps> cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That was really creepy. Oh, we also learned did. we also learned about Parshman. Sorry, I remember at the beginning of my chapter. <laughs> it's sorry, I'm scatterbrained at the moment. That's but okay. remember, we, what are Parshman? Describe them. I'll describe them. You do that. They're uh, short humanoid character uh, people. They're stocky and built like they're sh- shoulder, broad uh-huh. shoulders and short, and their skin is a marbling of red, black, and like white. Uh huh. Does that make sense? But they're also. Like the Parshendi. The Parshendi are Parshman, right? Parshendi are par- the, the Parshman who can think. Yeah. So Parshman yeah. are like basically brainless. They don't, uh-huh. they, they can't work. And uh, Parshendi are people who can think. We'll see more of the Parshendi later on in Sydney's chapter, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's, Parshman are basically slaves. Don't think they're more livestock than people. Mm-hmm. They're even like considered lower than slaves, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, chapter four, which is called The Shattered Plains. I'll read the little death rattle thing, as Colton calls it. Yeah. So it says, I'm dying, aren't I? Healer, why do you take my blood? Who is that beside you with his head of lines? I can see a distant sun, dark and cold, shining in a black sky. And this was collected on the 3rd of Jesna, 1172, which is a year later than the, yeah, the a little bit later. one we've had. Um, 11 seconds pre-death. Subject was a Reshi Chul trainer. Sample is of particular note. Why? Apparently. I don't know. Do you have any guesses about what, what all is happening in this thing at all? Um, not really. Cool. <laughs> yeah. As we move forward, the thing is, as you move forward, go rereading these death rattles are like, oh, as you go. So as you move forward, when I start asking, you have any guesses? You're going to be like, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to ask you for basically every one of these. You have any guesses about what this means at all? Okay. And eventually, you'll, eventually, the answer will be a yes. Just keep that in mind. All righty. Go okay, ahead. Okay. I'm ready. Um. So we're back with Kaladin. He's sitting in the cage still, and the Windspread is talking to him. Uh, So the Windspread is asking why he's not crying because all the other slaves at night just cry, Mm -hmm. and Kaladin doesn't. And basically, he's like, "Well, there's no point. Like, why bother? It's not going to help anything. Like, you know, whatever." Um, The wagons, you know, still rolling along. He's in a lot of like his his uh, mark on his forehead is still bleeding. You know, all that that fun jazz. I I am glad the Widdensprint's still around. Yeah, I like her. She's she's cute. She is cute. Um, 
But the wagons roll around and they're not entirely sure. Kaladin's like not entirely sure where they're going. And he's like, why yeah. aren't we stopping? It's like past noon at this point. Like they yep. should be getting their afternoon slop. Like, why are we not being fed? Afternoon um, slop is a baller name for a band, <laughs> by the way. Afternoon slop. Yeah, I'm gonna make a band and call it Afternoon Slop. Okay, cool. And you do that. Um, but it does finally eventually the wa- the lead wagon stops, and so all the wagons stop um, eventually. But it's way past their normal stopping point, like time. Right. So he's a little bit confused. Um, the uh, Bluth and Tag, who are the uh, two little helper, they boys. are the helper guys. Get out of the wagons, and they walk over to vol- to oh to to Vlakov. Um, you nailed it. It took you two tread attempts, but well, you got it. I was it. trying to say two to Vlakov, and it just wasn't coming out right. There's only one to Vlakov. It was the no. They're walking up two to block of. There's only one to block of. Two to block of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm annoying. Um, I'm sorry. But I was trying to say that and it just, the two wasn't coming out right. Yeah. I was trying to merge the two words together. But, um, so they walk up to Tavlakov and they're like kind of arguing about what's going on. They're holding, Tavlakov is holding like a map in his hand. Yeah. And Kaladin yells, are you lost? Like, perhaps you should pray to the Almighty for guidance. I hear he has a fondness for slavers. Keeps a special room in damnation just for you. Yeah. Which I think is a funny thing to say. Um, and Tavlakov looks at him and then comes over and is like, he hands him the map. He hands Kaladin the map and is like, do you know these lands? Like, um, yeah. let the armies travel these lands for the war. We know you were, an, like, you were in the in army. One. Yep. Do you know these lands are where we are? And Kaladin takes the map and then proceeds to rip it to shreds. Baller play, which, my man. I'm going to be honest. I was not expecting. Um, really? No, he I was like not. seems like the kind of guy who'd rip a map oh, up. Oh, for sure. But that's not what I thought he was going to do here in this situation. Yeah. Um, it seems like a good way to get yourself, like, stabbed. Yes. Uh, but he rips it to shreds. And Tavlakov is just very... He's, a, he's pretty unhappy. Um, I would be, too. Yes. But... He doesn't actually, like, do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks at, instead of getting angry with Kaladin, he instead offers him the opportunity to lead the caravan for move, more food, mm-hmm. which is not at all what I was expecting. Like, I feel like I was expecting Tavlakov to get really angry yeah, and, like, beat him up or something. You know, that's that's what I was expecting, but that's not what he does. Um, Instead... Uh, he offer, like I said, he offers Kaladin the opportunity to lead the caravan and, and show Tavlakov how to get where they're going, and he'll get more food. And Kaladin's like, no, yeah, he just flat out says no. Um, He's not having. He any also of it. doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to get. He doesn't know where he is. Like Kaladin doesn't even actually know where they are. Yeah. Um. So it wouldn't have mattered anyways because he doesn't know how to get there. Yeah. Uh. But they also talk about they talk about vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um. The two of them and. Uh. Tavakov is like, you shouldn't be trying to take vengeance on me because I'm going to sell you and you could escape from them and that won't like affect me, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, And Kaladin's like, well, I'll never really be freed even if I escape because I've got these brands on my forehead. Yep. Uh, and they just kind of talk about that. And um, Kaladin actually talks about like how he kind of likes Tavlakov in a way. Yeah, he, like, he's he, a likable guy. Yeah, he's a likable guy, but he also hates him at the same time. Yep. Which is kind of a funny little it's, little thing. It's weird. It's a weird dynamic he has where he like kind of actually likes the guy who yeah. is like keeping him slave. I kind of get it though because Tavlakov kind of has like a like a funny kind of like humor. He's got he's got a little bit of humor like a he's got some. He's got a good hum- like a good sense of humor, I think. And he he held, they read the map, and instead Tavlakov is like, "Why are you so mad, at the man?" So instead yeah. of being instead of being like, yeah. stab him," yeah. he goes, 
why are you so angry? I'm, yeah. I'm, I will, you don't need to be mad at me. I'm going to sell you like yeah. that kind of a thing. And like, it's just weirdly likable. It's, it's, yeah. it's a weirdly likable guy. Yeah. But um, that's where this section, this little section ends with Kaladin thinking about the fact that he kind of yeah. likes uh, Tavlakov. Um, and so now we find out that the, the wagon is like leaks during high storms when it rains. Uh, yeah. Kaladin's not really surprised by that because, you know, they don't really care about the slaves. You know, Tavlakov doesn't really care that much. And he's got other things he needs to spend his money on versus fixing up the wagons to make sure they don't leak. Because um, the reason people like him get into slavery, because he's he's a businessman, very yeah. clearly, is because something happened, bad deals were made, and slavery is the easiest thing to hop into for cheap. Yeah. And it's also the riskiest. So that's yeah. the only thing that people who don't have a lot would be willing to actually try and do. Yeah. So that seems that seems to be why uh, Khaled at least thinks that Tavlakov is in this business. Yeah, but basically during high storms, they like put up the walls on the sides of the cages and like basically trap them in there so they're not getting like drenched, drenched mm-hmm. um, or like, you know, but during the high storms, there's like lightning and thunder and all this stuff. And Kaladin's not worried about like, you know, the cart tipping over about himself getting injured during the high storms. He's worried about Tavlakov dying mm-hmm. because... He realizes if Tavlakov dies, he figures the other two, Bluth and Tag, are going to run off and leave the slaves trapped in the carts, yep. which would be literally terrible. And they would starve to death because they'd have no way to get out. Absolutely. Um, that would that would be, the, in my opinion, oh, one of the worst ways to die. Oh, for sure. Like, And I totally understand why that would be something he would be worried about. Um, but at the end of this high storm, it's not quite the end of it, but before the high storm, like, you know, the thunder and the worst of it's over... But before it stops raining, um, Bluth takes the like side of the um, the wooden side of the cages down, yep. so that all the slaves get soaking wet. They need to be washed yeah, off. That's basically their shower. Stinky boys, which is <laughs> so awful. And maybe girls. I don't actually know. I don't know. I haven't heard. I haven't heard any girl girl slaves. Maybe just stinky boys. I don't know. But either way, uh, they <laughs> basically get drenched, and that's how they they get clean. It's like their little shower because they just they just went through a high storm. Yes, they just went through a high storm. Um. And after the end of the high storm, like, you know, Kaladin cannot look out because the, the wooden doors on the sides are down and the cage is just free again. Like it's been, he sees a bunch of windspread, like floating around and stuff. Um, again, he's not entirely sure where they're going, uh, but his windspread friend comes yeah. over to him and Kaladin's like, oh. Did, by the way, did you mention that they took it down extra early? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, I, I didn't mention that. But yes, they did. The- they did take it down extra early this time. And we find out, I guess, kind of why that is. Yeah. Because, yeah, they think, yeah. It, yeah, they, it, basically they want them to be extra clean this yeah. time around. Instead of being near the very end where it's just kind of like a sprinkle, it's like still kind of storming, yeah. but not hard. Yeah. Um, but uh, Kaladin's windspread comes over to him and Kaladin's like, oh, I saw others of your kind, like other windspread. And he's like, why don't you go with them? And she basically says, I like it here. Like she glances kind of longingly. Yeah. But then says, I like it here. So Aww, uh, yeah. I'm a fan of her. I like her a She's lot. She's so too. sweet. Yeah. Um, and then she says, there are others near, others like you. And Kaladin says, slaves. And she goes, I don't know, people, not the ones here, other ones. Um, so now we know there's a lot of people. And then Kaladin looks But up. wait, you know the lot of people what? Like him and that's a theory. In what way is he? Oh, sorry, you're right. There are other people. Like there he, are other Not people. slaves other... here. He, she saw the people. Yeah, she Got saw it. other people. I was confused. I thought she was <laughs> saying there are other people like you. And I was, even I was sitting here thinking like, I wonder what that. And so I was like, I'm going to make Sydney guess, but I follow now. I follow yeah. now. My bad. No, other just people in general. Yeah. 
And he realizes, he looks out and he realizes, like, he stands up and he looks out of the cage and he realizes that he can see smoke now. Yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh, that must mean there's like a city nearby or something. Like, we're coming upon something. Wherever yes. Tablaka was trying to take us, we're finally getting there. We've arrived. I'm so happy for him. Wow, that was really loud. Sorry. We've arrived. Thank you. I don't want to give people ASMR tingles. <laughs> we need to stop this game. <laughs> um, But... He realizes that, you know, they're coming closer to where they need to be. And he's like, oh, do I really care? Yeah. Like, he hasn't really seemed to care that much. He's in a tough spot, Kaladin. Yeah. Um, but as he gets there, he realizes that this isn't a city they're coming on. Mm-hmm. It's an army camp. A big old war camp. And he realizes they've come upon the Shattered Plains, which is where he really wanted to be when he was in the army. He made he it. finally got in there. Yay. Yay. Good for him. Proud yeah. of him. Um, but... He he's just like, oh, my gosh, like yeah. what? Uh, which is a fair reaction, to be honest. Like if you're out there yeah. and I don't know, he spent all that time in the army to try and get there and he ends up there as a slave, which yeah. is kind of <laughs> depressing. Um, but as they get closer, he realizes that the encampment is like flying a flag. Yeah. Um, he he's seen it in books like he recognizes it. Um, he realizes that like. Um, the king's like yeah. campaign is there because it's flying two glyphs: the glyph for yeah. Koch and the glyph for Linnel. And if you combine Koch and Linnel, you kind of get Colin. Also, the, the reason I brought up the actual words, they reminded me. I got corrected by a listener. A listener messaged me. Uh, it's a person. It's, it's a person I know who listens. Yeah, messaged me and told me it's not. Uh, I I, w- I misspoke. It, it's not um palindromes that are holy. Uh-huh. It's symmetry that's holy. Okay. So it's not just in words, but yeah. like things that are symmetrical are holy, including words. So if you look, Koch and Linnell are both symmetrical. Yeah. It's it's the sound is symmetrical. Yeah. And so like so words like that, like glyphs are holy, uh, shapes that are symmetrical are holy, that kind of a thing. And then also it's only a lethy woman. Yeah. Who have the thing where their names will be almost symmetrical. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Because if you're actually symmetrical, that's that's taboo because that's actually supposed to be holy. Yeah. And so it's it's close. So symmetry okay. is holy, not necessarily uh, palindromes. Okay. Gotcha. I just was um, corrected by that, so I wanted to let you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as they get closer, the other slaves start to realize where they are and that they're in the Shattered Plains. And one of the slaves says, perhaps we'll find justice here. And another one says, I hear the king's household servants live as well as the finest merchants. His slaves have to be better off, too. We'll be in... Foreign lands will make even will even make wages and basically find out that the slaves that get wages mm-hmm. they have this debt that they can try and pay off which would basically end their slavery you know, being, yeah, yeah being slaves um but Kaladin thinks it's all just it's fake and it's not real and it's just yep. something that they're told to try and get them motivation to work to be fair he says his, his previous owners had stiffed him as his pay like yeah they, so like it. It seems that way. Yeah. His owners previously had stiffed his pay. But if uh, the king's house is as good as they say it is. Yeah. Which I, do they mention who who it's run by? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah. If the king's, house, if the king's house is as good as they say it is, they will be um, kind of like protected is the wrong word, but they might actually like not be stiffed. Yeah. Because it, it seems like the other owners are stiffing them things. Yeah. Um. Basically, the end of this chapter is just. He thinks about the fact that he doesn't believe in justice. He's not convinced that there is such a thing as justice. But he does hope that maybe if the king treats the slaves as well as they say, that 
he, you know, has some hope that he can maybe become, he wants to fight again and he wants to hold a spear and he wants to be in the army again. Right. Um, which is interesting to me because we actually find out that he deserted. Mm-hmm. I think I had originally said last episode that I thought that he like got made into slavery because he tried to because he was taken by the shard bearer, but yeah. I think it's instead because he deserted. That's what, it, yeah, which that's is what, what his, which I didn't realize. This I, is what Tavlakov says. Yeah. yeah, um, I don't know if that wasn't mentioned last. It also episode, says it. I just didn't he, realize it. I also he also he mentions it here, but it's brought up much bigger in the next. Yes, chapter. in the next chapter. I just wanted to bring that up real yeah. quick because I was thinking about it, but um. Basically, the chapter ends where he thinks the only this is probably going to be the only place where he can see if he can find the man he used to be. Yeah, and that's where this chapter ends. And then it's my turn again. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, and we can't really do any theories yeah. because you'll you'll hear about it when the, when it comes up. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is chapter five. Yep. The title is Heretic. I wonder who that could be. Hmm. Um, I don't know. And the death rattle says. I have seen the end and I've heard it named the night of sorrows, the true desolation, the everstorm. Collected on the first of names, 1172, 15 seconds pre-death, subject was a dark-eyed youth of unknown origin. Okay, 15 seconds. That's such a small amount of time. Right. Like, literally, basically, this dude's like, I'm dying and then dies. Yep. Like, that, like a snap. Yeah. So, we have, we, we... yeah, it's, it seems like they collect the things Did right like before someone's snap? out. It actually sounded really good. I was going to mention that. I was, I was impressed <laughs> by how nice it came out. Um, and this is a Chalon chapter again. So if you, Chalon, 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 Chalon. If you hate Chalon, sorry about it. Here it goes. Um, Chalon comes around the corner, sees Yasna, and her first thought is, wow, she's hot. Um, <laughs> which is a, is a good start to award ship, in my opinion. It's a good way to get it going. Um, so she, it, it descri- he, Shalon describes her as stately, mature beauty, one you might find in the portrait of some historical scholar. Uh, and she had assumed Shalon had been thinking, you're a heretic, you must be a hag. But no, she's actually and like... she's also unmarried. Yeah. Oh, unmarried as an old, old-ish yeah, lady. Yeah, she's like mid-30s. Which is not old. It's not old. No. But in like old-timey, like the the like medieval that this is yeah, based like kind of in. Yeah, like the fantasy vibes. That is yes. old. You know, so yeah. it it makes sense that she's like expecting this non-religious, unmarried, older woman. Yeah, Sh- those two things must mean she's ugly. She's not ugly. She's gorgeous. Yes, freaking love Yasna. She's such a <laughs> jerk. It makes me laugh. Um, and she, Shalana, think might have a girl crush because she <laughs> literally spends fourth full paragraph just describing all the different details of this woman. Um. See, the thing is, sometimes they describe a character for a while, and it's like the book is describing it. Yeah. This is pretty explicit. Shalon is describing this woman this way. Yes. Um, which is, it makes me laugh. <laughs> um, but anyway, Shalon sees that uh, Yasna is like uh, talking to somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the person is, is it right? Is it an old man at this point? Yeah, it's like an older man, I guess. And he's in like robes and stuff. Yeah. And also Shalon on her right hand. Sorry, I need to mention on her free hand yeah. is wearing a, a piece of jewelry with two rings around her middle fingers and a bracelet. And then there's chains connecting the two rings in the bracelet. Yeah. And on the chains, there are five. Are there five in this one? Several gemstones um, across the back of her hand. And that's what's called a fabrile. Um, and... Uh, as Shalon sees the Fabriel, it says her heart began to beat a little faster. And because uh, the Fabriel is a soul caster. Yeah. 
and we learn what it can do a little bit later. Yep. But it's apparently a super powerful ancient relic that it's also kind of a holy thing. And so a lot of the Ardents are very upset that the heretic Yasna has it. It's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Um, and the man in robes is walking towards them. And uh, kind of Shalon just stands there until they get close. Yeah. Like it really realistically, she doesn't really do much until she gets close and she catches the end of what Yasna was saying. Um, and what she's saying is Yasna's kind of warning this person, like what I'm about to do, you realize it might make people mad at you because yeah. you're making me do this thing. Yeah. And the person is saying like, yeah, yeah, I get it, but it's worth it to have you do it. Cause I know you can do it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, turns out, uh, that's the freaking king of this area of Cabranth. Yeah. Dude, she just like walked up to a conversation with the princess of uh, Kolinar or of uh, Ale- Alethkar, sorry. Yeah. And the king of Cabranth. Who is her brother, by nope. the way? Yes. Oh, Cab- wait, no. Cabranth. This, no, you're right. The, sorry. The king I of- read, I read, I read this section here that said Yasna's brother. I didn't realize it said not Yasna's brother in front of it. I yeah. just read Yasna's brother. So my bad. The elderly man is the king. Not of where she's from. She's no, in a foreign yeah, land. Yeah. It's the king of the where she's at. Yes. And uh, essentially, the king is like, I have a lot of power. People can be mad at me if they want. I'm the freaking king. Yeah. And so uh, you do what you, we tell you to, essentially. And in exchange, you'll give you'll be given access to our giant libraries that you can study in. Yeah. That's kind of like the deal they made. Yeah. Which uh, I think later on it kind of reveals that Yasna could have gotten access anyway, and she's doing it. It's it kind of like it's kind of like. This is a deal that didn't need to be made this way, but it's a way that everyone got what they wanted and yeah. it was easy. And so that's what they ended up doing. Yeah. Um, and uh eventually I f- Yasna actually finds um sees Shalon. Like she well, while they're talking, Yasna gives her a side eye and like recognizes her. Yeah. But then Yasna makes an exit from the conversation with the king to um uh say to Sh- Shalon, um well, she she changes to Shalon and Shalon says, Brightness. I am Shalon Devar, whom you asked to meet you. I deeply regret not being able to, to get you in Dumadari. I think we should do a dramatic reading of this first section of their conversation because I think it's kind of funny. Got it. Here it goes! Shalon hurried to catch up to Yasna, who walked a little behind the king as he began to speak to his attendants. Brightness, Shalon said, I am Shalon Devar, whom you asked to meet you. I deeply regret not being able to get to you in Dumadari. The fault is not yours. Yasna said with a wave of the finger. I didn't expect that you would be able to make it in time. I wasn't certain where I would be going after Dumadari when I sent you the note, however. Yasna wasn't angry. That was a good sign. Shalon felt some of her anxiety recede. I'm impressed by your tenacity, child, Yasna continued. I honestly didn't expect you to follow me this far. After Kabranth, I was going to forgo leaving you notes, as I presumed that you'd given up. Most do so after the first few stops. Most? Then it was a test of some sort, and Shalon had passed? Yes, indeed, Yasna continued, voice musing. Perhaps I will actually allow you to petition me for a place as my ward. Shalon almost stumbled in shock. Petition her? Wasn't that what she'd already done? Brightness, Shalon said. I thought that. Well, your letter... Yasna eyed her. I gave you leave to meet me, Miss Devar. I did not promise to take you on. The training and care of a ward is a distraction for which I have little tolerance or time at the present. But you must have traveled far. I will entertain your request, though understand that my requirements are strict. Shalon covered a grimace. No tantrum, Yasla noted. That is a good sign. Tantrum, brightness? From a light-eyed woman. 
You'd be surprised, Yasa said dryly. But attitude alone will not earn your place. Tell me, how extensive is your education? Extensive in some areas, Shalon said. Then she hesitantly added, extensively lacking in others. Very well, Yasa said. Ahead, the king seemed to be in a hurry, but he was old enough that even an urgent walk was still slow. Then we should do an evaluation. Answer truthfully and do not exaggerate, as I will soon discover your lies. Feign no false modesty either. I haven't the patience for a simperer. Yes, brightness. So we learn quite a bit about Miss Yasna Devar in this section. Oh, sorry, yeah. not Devar. <laughs> Miss Yasna Colin in this section. Yeah. She is kind of a jerk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The reason I wanted to do the section and then stop where we did is because I wanted to get like the main idea of their yeah. interaction together without having to read the entire interaction because that would take like four pages. Yeah. So basically, Yasna's just like, She's testing everybody by making them go on a wild goose chase after her. Which is so rude. Yasin's, a, Yasin's kind of a big old, a big old kind jerk of, woman. I do kind of get it, though. Like, if you're trying to find an apprentice or you want – if okay, if there's people who want to be your ward. Yeah. And you don't really want a ward. I yeah. would want to find if, like, you know, you'd be willing to maybe take one on. It would have to be someone who, like, actually wants to do this. Like, yeah. actually puts in the effort to do this. So I kind of get it. Because a couple things. One, for any woman – being the ward of one, a woman who's widely regarded as the smartest woman. Yeah. Two, a woman who is the princess of the nation. Yeah. And three, a woman who traveled all the world. That would be a wonderful, great thing for your own personal power. Oh, for and sure. And so she probably gets petitioned by people who are underqualified but are just rich and yeah. hope that she will take them on because of the title. Yeah. And so it makes sense that Shalon's like, if I'm going to do this thing that's going to distract me from making me the smartest woman who's alive, yeah. I'm going to find somebody who really, really actually wants that and doesn't just want the notoriety that comes with me. Yes. So that's so pretty I, cool. I do get it. Like, yeah. she is a little bit of a jerk, but I I kind of understand where she's coming from, if that makes sense. Like, Well, let me – the part this part before that we just read, she wasn't really a jerk. No. The jerkiness kind of comes up. up. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> um. So Yasin starts testing Shalon on like the feminine arts. So first thing she does is freaking make Shalon sing in public, even though Shalon is real freaked out by it. <laughs> Jerk move number one. Um, so second one, uh, she starts asking Shalon about like other things, and Shalon is doing her best with her abilities. That she like she's telling the truth. She's talking about the things she's read, but she was a really sheltered person, yeah. and so she doesn't have any kind of reading. And also, Yasna has oh, ridiculously high expectations. Yes, she's got knowledge that. Shalon would have no way of knowing, really. I mean, unless she like was, yeah, really rich and should know all this stuff. Like you know, and like she's listing like, what about, what about logic? And Shalon says the books she's read, which are in yes, and like babies have read that. Yeah, and then she starts listing authors, and Shalon's like, that's a shin name. Like that's a name from a, a person who's on the other side of the world. Yeah, who we can't like you expect me. To, uh, a person who's not taking an award clearly is trying to become a scholar. Yeah. You expect me to have already read like a title, a book that was written by somebody who's like getting here. Yeah. And so Shalon is already get, getting a little bit more irritable the longer this conversation goes because Shalon, she's like, I, you expect ridiculously a lot. Yeah. Um, And then as it keeps going further, uh, here's another moment of uh, Yasna being a jerk. Um, Shalon says that she has she doesn't have access to a lot of books, yeah. and she says my circumstances are unusual, unusual brightness, and 
freaking Yasin's first situ- response is ignorance is hardly unusual, Miss Devar. Yeah. And dude, she just said that the, the reason that I'm not don't know this is because I have weird circumstances. And instead yeah. of saying, what are the circumstances? You say, being dumb is normal. That's dumb. Jerk, <laughs> jerky little Yasna. Yeah, she definitely, yeah, yeah, no. In this section, like, she's just very rude, I think. Yeah. Um. And then, like, Shalon slowly gets more and more stiff and irritable with her responses. Uh-huh. Where she says, like, um, uh, I have the she asks about science and she goes, I have a reasonable foundation for other sciences you might expect from a woman of my age. And um then the, she says, I can speak with that you also ask for more details. And she says, I can speak with skill about geography, geology, physics, and chemistry. I made a particular study in biology and bo- botany. Um, but if you expect me to, to be able to solve fab uh fabri- conundrum with a wave of my hand, I shall suspect you'll be disappointed. So the idea is like... She's getting a little sassy here. Yeah. I know most of the things. If you expect me to know everything, you will be sad. And yeah. then Yasa says, have I not the right to make reasonable demands of my potential students, Miss Devar? And Shalon says, reasonable? Your demands are, are about as reasonable as ones made of the 10 heralds on proving day, <laughs> which is probably some religious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all due respect, Brightness, you seem to want potential wards to be master scholars already. I may be able to find a pair of 80-year-old Ardens who, in the city who might fit your requirements, but they, uh, they can interview for your position, that they might have trouble hearing well enough to answer your questions. And then that very much makes Yasna like, and you talk to your mom this way? Yeah. And then she's Shalad's like, like, my mom's dead, butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that's what she said. She goes, well, she says, I do not speak to to them this way nor should i to you i apologize yeah and then yas is like well at least you're humble and then she goes my mother passed away when i was a child and yas <laughs> is like oh well <laughs> um Yasna's kind of a butthole for this whole thing but Yasna also knows that her father remarried which is interesting yeah so Yasna's clearly researched her yes because she's the smartest woman alive that's the whole deal with this lady yeah. the whole reason that she, she the church hates her because she's a princess a super good scholar and has the thing and those three things while being a heretic, yeah, make the church hater, but she's still wicked smart. Yes. It's very clear. Yep. Um, and essentially, at the end of the day, what they're walking towards—they've been following the king this whole time—is an area of the underground city that had a cave-in. Yeah. Um, and it's because during a high storm, a the storm hit the other side of the mountain, which caused an avalanche, which caused vibrations through the mountain. Yes. Which made a weak vein of rock collapse in a yes. certain area. Yeah. Um, and so there's a big, big uh, rock that's blocking kind of the walkway to a certain area. Yeah. Um, and uh, Shal- uh, Yasna is still testing, is looking at the rock. Yasna says, Miss Devar, which method would you use to ascertain the mass of this stone? And Shalon just goes, I'd probably ask the king who has people who solve that for him. And Yasna's actually kind of impressed by that. Yeah. An elegant response. Um, and she, Yasna says, why do extra work? I sometimes forget that. Which, Fair enough to Yasna to be fair. Like, yeah. Fair enough to her to, to admit that like she even didn't think that that was probably the answer, but yeah. it ended up being the right answer. Yeah. Good job. I see. It's hard to dislike her. Yasna's yeah. a butthole, but she seems really, really like calculated and smart. And, yes. Uh, like uh, she goes about things differently than like I would, but she. Also, like I kind of get her perspective and why she she doesn't really want a ward, so there's no reason for her to like really like you know take one on. So I kind of understand why her like 
her requirements are really high because she doesn't even want one. It's like if somebody, if, if people were able, like, if imagine if we had a culture where it was common to email people to ask to be their assistant. Now imagine Einstein and imagine him not getting irritated by the number of emails he gets. That's yeah. the kind of deal. It's like if it's like if you could ask somebody to be there, like to, you personally train me. And that's how education works. Yeah. And you can ask anybody. Imagine how annoying it would be to be. I can't even think of like a really smart person right now. You literally just said Einstein. Yeah, but the, I was trying to think of someone alive, but it's whatever. Oh. So like, yeah, Einstein's a good example, though. Imagine if you're Einstein and now your job is to your uh, culture uh, guesses your job is now to anybody who might be qualified personally interview them. Yes. You would get annoyed pretty oh, quick. for sure. Because everyone would interview you yes. because you're the guy who's the smartest. Yes. Anyway, uh, so everybody gets some wet rags from the servants and they put the wet rags to their nose uh, to cover their mouth. Yasna's, Shalon's unsure exactly why. Yeah. And then Yasna reaches out, touches her hand to the rock and then closes her eyes. And then the stones on the back of the of the soul caster begin to glow. Yeah. And the freaking thing explodes into smoke. Yep. And it, the smoke explodes out with like force in every direction. Yes. Because uh, it's explained that like the mass of the stone when it transfers to smoke is the same. It's the same weight of smoke as there is weight of rock. Yeah. But smoke is less dense. And so it explodes outwards in every direction because there's yes. more smoke there. Yes. A neat thing. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting because Yasna like doesn't get affected, but like everyone else there covers their mouth and their face, right? And like mm -hmm. coughs like out the smoke. Yeah. And Yasna is not affected by it at all, which yeah. I think is interesting. She just like breathes it in almost like she's enjoying it. Also, the uh she has three like the stones on the back of her hand. The one that glows is called a smoke stone. And uh -huh. there's also a diamond and a ruby back there. But the smoke stone is presumably it glows the brightest. So it's assuming assuming that that's what happened is they use the smoke stone and turn it into smoke. Yeah. Um, the pressure difference also makes Shalon's ears pop, which is kind of funny. And then Yasna opens her eyes again and for a minute looks like she's trying to remember where she is. Yeah. Like that's that's a thing that's made of particular note. Yasna opens her eyes and there's a moment of like, where am I? That yeah. she does. Can I say something real quick? Yes. Um, something I also noticed. It says, um, so Shalon looks at like after this happens and the smoke and the rock explodes and she looks and she said it says it was true. Yasna really did have a functioning soul caster and a powerful one too. nine out of 10 soul casters were capable of a few limited transformations, creating water or grain from stone, forming bland, single roomed rock buildings out of air or cloth. A greater one like Yasna's could effectuate any transformation, literally turn any substance into one, uh, any other one. So it's interesting to to see that basically what the soul casters do is they're able to turn like the really really powerful ones are able to turn any element into something else. Yes, and the less powerful ones can like build like stone buildings and things like that. Still will be very helpful oh. in a war camp. That's, for sure. Imagine for sure. a war camp where you don't have to ship grain because yes. someone can just touch the rock and now there's grain. Yes. So that's essentially a big part of why it's so point helpful for the Kolin people at the moment. Yes. Is they're at war. And so in the Shattered Plains, which as Kaladin showed, yes. is a long travel. Yes. So being able to create clean water and grain easy yes. for the soldiers is so yes. that's I'll give you a spoiler. That's what it's used for a lot in the Kolin people right now. Oh, I'm sure. Well, we also food. find out next chapter that there are stone buildings made by soul casters. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Uh, also, a soul caster, the term, is used for the person who does the action yeah. and the thing that they wear. So the soul caster is the fabrial, that's what it's called, Yeah. on the hand is a soul caster. But Yasna, because she uses a soul caster, she is a soul caster. Yes. That's kind of the idea. Okay, yeah. Um, 
so it's it's hard to describe, but that's kind of how like that's the best explanation it, yeah. it kind of gives. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Yasna finished. She's like, ugh, and then without any kind of other note, she turns back to Shalon, and uh, she basically says no. And Shalon's like, you didn't finish interviewing me. You didn't ask about like art. And yes, I don't care about art. Can I just say one thing real quick? Yeah. Um, we found out that the part of the reason they wanted to get this stone unblocked is because there was a young girl on the other side of it yeah. who comes and runs over to the king. So I don't know if it's stated who she is. It but is. It's a great. I mean, I don't know if it is. It's like I'll tell you. It's a granddaughter. Yeah. yeah. Which I just also, wanted to point that she's out. She's too young to wear a modesty sleeve. Yes. So that's what I was talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. Young girls don't have to wear them. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, Shalon Yasin says no, and Shalon gets like she's like you did ask about art and stuff, and. Uh, Yasna says the visual arts are frivolity. I have weighed the facts, child, and I cannot accept you. I'm sorry. Which, you know, the first half of that sentence was unneededly buttholy, and the second half of that sentence is fine. It's so weird how quickly Yasna flips back and forth in my brain between liking and disliking. Uh huh. Yeah, I um, agree. Anyway, Yasna's kind of like dips. Yasna's like, "Can you take me to the place where the books are?" And yeah. the king's like, "Okay." And then Shalon's left there. Um, and Shalon then is like, kind of crouches down and cries for a minute, but tries to hold them back and like hold them in a little bit. And eventually she decides, I'm going to not stop because I have to do this. Yeah. She's and been the, chasing her for six months. She's not going to give up now. And the last sentence of this chapter reveals why she needs to become Shasta's ward. It ends with this. I'm going to read it. Um, she decides I'm going to do this. And then it goes, her steps surprisingly firm. She walked in the direction Yasna had gone. Six months ago, she had explained a desperate plan to her brothers. She would apprentice herself to Yasna Kolin, scholar, heretic, not for the education, not for the prestige, but in order to learn where she kept her soulcaster, and then Shalon would steal it. Wow. And that's, okay, that's funny because I really like Shalon, but stealing is not a good thing. Like, I know you're trying, <laughs> I know you're trying to steal your, uh, not steal, I know you're trying to save your family, but girl, stealing is not the way to go about it. Stealing is wrong. But maybe when you're desperate. Maybe when you're it's desperate. Hard. That's fair. I don't know. Um, and that's the end of the chapter. And then you, it's a fun thing that happens next. Next page, there's a like little beautiful piece of art showing off uh the shattered planes. The shattered planes. Yeah. Um, couple things on the map I want to I want to read out for you. At the very top of the map, the north of them it's actually east, but the northernmost side of the map, the upper, is yeah. the actual shattered planes. With, which shows where the cracks come down. There's one little mark with an arrow that says honor chasm on the shattered planes. Uh-huh. What do you think that is? It mentions it in the book yes. too. Uh, I feel like someplace where people go to kill themselves. The Bridgman. The vibes the that Bridgman, I was yeah. getting. Because yeah. the Bridgman, that's a place where they can go to get out of it. Because what we learn is Bridgman. Oh, it's terrible. Yes. Do you, um, okay, real quick. Do we want to do theories about Shalon? Oh, right. Sorry. I was I'm. I'm oh, man... Guys, back in person with Sydney has gotten me all thrown off. <laughs> I I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed recording this more than ever enjoyed oh, recording any in a sure. long time. It's been fun. I'm having, to, I'm having fun talking to Sydney about my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Shalon, what is she going to do next? Okay. Well, she obviously chases Yasna down. Yeah. And my guess is she just kind of bugs Yasna until eventually Yasna's <laughs> like, okay, fine. Like, I feel like she's going to follow Yasna to the library and she's going to like, you know, read, some, check out some of these books if she can and like talk to Yasna about the things she knows. And Yasna's going to be like, okay, well, I feel like eventually Yasna's going to be impressed because she's not giving up. Yeah. And so I think eventually tenacity. Yasna will. She's already shown that she, yes. she appreciates tenacity. So I, I think Yasna's going to eventually accept her because she's following her around anyways. Yep. So that's a good guess. 
I said yeah because I'm saying it's a good guess. Yes. I'm not saying it's the I, I got you. I, listener, forgot how hard it is to know the answer and not show it on my face. Because when Cindy gets close or far, my brain immediately go, help her out, help her out. And <laughs> I don't really want to. The only time I've helped you out very hard is when you discovered that the, the, the statues were also the army. You remember that? Uh, in Warbreaker. Oh. There was the army that was been mentioned yeah, yeah, a bunch yeah, of times, yeah. and I I like helped yeah. you piece together what the army actually was. Yeah, that's the most helpful I was. And every time I listen back to it, I'm like, I should have shut up, Colton. But so <laughs> now I'm trying not to give you any um, help at all if I'm able to avoid it. Well, unless you spoil it accidentally, which we'll find out here in a little bit what happened last episode. But you guys didn't get to hear it. You'll hear it this episode. Don't <laughs> Just worry. Uh, more questions for Sh- about Shalon though. Okay. Um, man, we talked about something the first chapter, remember? And I we asked you about it, and we decided to. We get clarity next time. I don't remember. I'm I not gonna lie. Either. Dang it! Well, tell me about soulcasters. What's the deal with with how they work? Like, what what's the deal with Yasna? Like, it brought specific attention to the way she acted afterwards. Yeah. So I think. Okay, I actually have a theory about that. Tell me. So I think that the soulcasters, the really really powerful ones, especially maybe not so much the less powerful ones, but the really really powerful ones. I think. They, because they're so powerful, take something out of the person. Mm-hmm. And so in her case, she has to put in all this, like, you know, she puts in so much power into making this rock explode that she, for a moment, loses, like, her senses of where she is. Like, mm-hmm. she loses maybe her memory for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, something like that. Like, you know how if you put in so much effort into something, yeah, like, you can yeah, kind of, like, lose... You yeah, know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I like that guess. That's a good guess. Thank you. Um, let me think. Is there anything else specific? Not. I mean, we kind of left got left on a cliffhanger, and so you guessed about that. And most of the other stuff, I think, has been pretty se- decently explained. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead and continue on to your chapter. Okay, chapter six, which is titled Bridge Four, which we'll find out what that is here in a bit. But the little death rattle says, "I'm cold, mother. I'm cold, mother. Why can I still hear the rain? Will it stop?" And this was collected on Vavisha's uh, 1172, 32 seconds pre-death. Subject was a light-eyed female child, approximately six years old. And so what I think is happening here. What the heck, man? (laughs) That's so sad. It's pretty sad. But what I think is happening here, I think there was a high storm that didn't Mm. stop. For her or ever? Just like I'm talking about like for a long period of time. Oh, okay. Maybe. Because, well, the rain makes me think of high storm. And the other thing talked about the ever storm. The yeah. last one. So I don't know. I was just you, thinking of like this. You big know what the ever storm is? You have a guess for that? Just another big storm? Well, I was thinking maybe because I thought maybe this stuff happened after the um, people from the beginning right. left. And I wondered if maybe there was a really big, like powerful storm that kind of wiped out a lot of things. Yeah. And so these are like a progression of the storm continuing. Yeah. And the rain not stopping. And we know, so this, like, well, we know the high storm still does exist, though. They're like, well, the, yes. a high storm's a thing that yes, exists. Yes, but like maybe the ever storm is just a big, yeah. terrible, awful storm that happened that killed a bunch of people. Like a hurricane what, type vibe almost. What might be a fun thing? What? Is during our wrap up episode for this book, I want to write it down so I don't forget. It might be fun to have a little segment where we go back through and just like read the little death rattles at the beginning. Yeah. It's with like the knowledge of now. Yeah. That might be a fun thing to do. I agree. Anyway, you can get into it. Okay. Um, so we start off, uh, we're back with Kaladin again. Um, Tavlakov has released all the slaves at one time at this point, and he's not worried about them running away because there's, you know, thousands of armed soldiers around, so they wouldn't get very far, basically. So he's not worried about it. Um, Kaladin uh, climbs out, and around them, he, they, he, they see all the signs of the, the army, the king's army, like, sp- you know, spread around and being sel- uh, settled. 
Um, there's like squads of like soldiers walking around, you know, following directions. There's camps, army stuff. Yeah, basically, like there's camps that are cre- that were created by soul casters, like I mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, you know, it's very obvious that they're in a war zone. Yeah. Um, and, and there's those, describe the shattered planes though, because they're cool. Oh well, they're just like very. Oh, I see what you're talking about. So basically, yeah, the shattered planes are like different, like um, plateaus, kind of, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, and there's like gaps in the middle of them, and they're kind of rocky, and they have to take bridges to get across the different gaps. Imagine if the Earth, if there's a section of Earth that was as a giant piece of glass, and then somebody hit it with a hammer, the glass kind of ex- like essentially yeah. giant cracks run through the Earth. Yes. That are steep and deep enough you'll die. Yes. And pretty wide too, like twenty feet across at some parts. Yes. Like, a, like imagine a field as big as you can see with just giant freaking cracks everywhere. Yes. That's such a neat idea. Yeah. I I sell my soul to books with neat ideas. Like neat <laughs> concepts make me so excited. And so like with that's why part of why I like his books so much is that it's just like every couple of sentences I'm like, what an idea. Yeah. How do you think of that? And so yeah, it makes yeah, that's something that yeah. I'm excited um, about. Yes, but that's what that's what they look like, which like I said, they have to take bridges to get across the different like cracks, uh, which we find out in a little while. Yep. Um sorry for the spoiler. Well, I mean, if they read it, they should have known. Yeah, so. listener, you shoulda. <laughs> um, yeah, you should have read. You shouldn't. No, <laughs> I said it and then didn't know how to continue, and so it just kind of got real awkward for a second. You shoulda. It's a good book. I really wish you did. It's such a good book. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, they basically they have the slaves, uh, Kaladin and the slaves, all line up yep. in like a row, um, and they have. Like a um, Tablakov is talking to a light eye woman, yeah, who looks pretty important. Is and what Callan says, and yeah, she's got like a stick thingy. Um, but she comes over and she basically walks down the line and looks at them, and she's like not impressed by what she sees. She's like, these men are half starved and sickly. Like she's not happy, and she's like, you're asking two emerald bromes ahead for these people, and Tablakov's like, well, maybe perhaps one and a half. Yeah, like. He's trying to basically like sweet talk her. And she's like, what would I ever use them for? They're literally starving to death. They wouldn't be able to do anything. And they're too sickly to be in charge of food. And like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have parchment to do the, that kind of work. Like, you yeah, know, I don't even need these slaves. And uh, Tavakov's like, well, I can uh, go to other. Um, he says, high princes. And she's like, no, I will take them. But only for one and a quarter. Right. Instead of two. And she... She says, they can cut timber for us in the northern forest. And then she gets to Calda and she goes, here now, this is a be- far better stock than the others. Don't and- call human stock. Well, yeah. Slave stuff in books every time I get it's so upsetting. mad at them. Yes. It's a good way to make you hate a guy is to oh, have them have slaves. For sure. And Tavlakov is like, well, I thought you might like this one. And she basically silences him with a stick, which I think Shut is Shut up, Tavlakov. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. It's a funny image to me. Um, strip then, for me yes she looks at Calden and goes remove your top slave and Calden's like don't spit don't spit don't, don't spit do don't yes, spit don't he, he tries he thinks he's gonna spit at her then he's like she's my only chance out of here don't spit yes. don't spit don't spit but he takes his shirt off and she says um, a large <laughs> she says essentially it, it takes his shirt off the book describes Kaladin for a minute and it, the book basically says <laughs> and like that's that's the that's the message the book gives right there. I guess um, but she says a large number of scars for one so young. And she goes, you are a military man. And he says, yes. And 
I should also point out his windsprint friend is like zipping around, like looking at her and stuff. And, and like, also mimicking people. Yes. I love really every funny. time it describes her like standing on their shoulder and like standing like they do. It's, it makes me laugh. I love <laughs> funny. Love because still. no one else can see her except for. I just said the name again. What's the name? <laughs> to say <laughs> later on, it's we, like, later on, it reveals her name. We'll talk about it later. Sile? Sil. Sil? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Real quick. Sile? What, we're about this? Sile. what if I called you Sidey? <laughs> it's Sil. You're right. <laughs> You're S Y D. You're one letter different. Actually, it's Sophrena. That's her full name, but but still. And real quick, while we're talking about this, Colton spoiled this for me last episode. And I say, it was it, but... it was before a dramatic reading started, and those get cut out. But I saved it just so I could reveal what actually happened right now. Okay. Um. So I wanted to. Let's start at the spot where I know I just read it. But let's start at the spot where Callan says, "How do you know my name?" Okay, and we'll I, go. I'm Callan, to... and you're still. Oh. Colton, <laughs> why you do this thing? I'm Callan, and you're this friend. <laughs> why you do this? <laughs> just pretend like I didn't say it. It's good. <laughs> That's hard to do. <laughs> I can't believe that. I am so. <laughs> That's hilarious. And we're not even, it's not even in the episode. The issue is it's not even part of the episode where I spoiled it. So now you have to, you can't even pretend like I, you can't, you have to pretend like I didn't say it. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I'm Khaled and you're the Can friend. I have a, when does that come up? I'm curious. It's not when? crazy long, I don't think. Okay. I was just curious because I want to think of it. <laughs> I'm going to tell them eventually that you spoiled that for me when we get I to didn't that. need to. <laughs> Yeah, so that was really fun. And it slipped, and you, did, <laughs> you you heard me go, say, sail, and then go, oop. And in that moment, physically, I just covered my mouth and, like, hung my head in shame. because. And Sydney immediately goes, what was that? What would you say, Colin? So, yeah, I, I spoiled that. It was only a week-long a week long yeah, spoiler. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal, but it just was really kind of funny. It made me laugh, so yeah. we shared it with you. Um. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so we find out later in this chapter what her name is, but we don't know it at the moment. So I'm going to continue to refer to her as the Windspread friend. I'm not going to bother with that. She's still. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's the Windspread friend. Okay, sorry, the Windspread friend. Windspread friend. <laughs> AKA. Still. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, uh, she asked what Kaladin did in, in like what kind of military man he was, and she he says Amaram's army, a citizen second non. And Tavakov said, once a citizen. And again, she silences Tavakov, which I think is funny. Um, but she looks at uh, his forehead and sees the the mark, the glyph on his forehead. Yeah. And she says, where I come from, slaves who deserve these are simply executed. Dislike her. Yeah. And Kaladin says, they are fortunate, which I think is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, she asked how he ended up there with that mark. And basically, Kaladin lies and says, I killed someone. Um, and he goes, I'm a murderer. Got drunk, made some mistakes, but I can use a spear as well as any man. Put me in your bright lord's army. Let me fight again. He's basically trying to convince her to let him fight again because that's what he really, really wants to do. And that's basically his only hope. His only hope is fighting again, right? And Right. Um, right. <laughs> you, you asked, so I wanted to answer. And uh, he's trying to lie about it. And he, um, he's hoping that she doesn't find out that he was actually a deserter. Because it's better for her, him to be thought of as an accidental murderer. And then Tavlakov done ruins it for him. He uh, looks at um, Kaladin and then says, he's a deserter, Brightness. Don't listen to him. Freaking Tavlakov. 
just ruin this man's chances. It makes me. Tavaka is hard to like in this chapter. He okay. Yes, yes. But I also kind of understand it though because like he whispers something to Kaladin later that yeah. helps. Well, clarify. also he's trying to like help himself, but also I mean, if you know that your slave is like if you're selling something, okay, not like a person, but like if you're selling like an item, okay, in real life, if you're selling an item and you know there's something wrong with it. It's pretty scummy, you should, yeah. You should tell them what is wrong with it and be truthful about it, not lie, you know? Yeah, and also it's it's uh, he says, he he does like a genuine apology to Kaladin in a second. Like, so yeah. Tavlok is still kind of a likable guy. Yeah. It's weird how well I this book makes me still like this dude. Yes, but also hate him at the same time. Yeah, it's he's a lot of characters at the moment I have very mixed opinions on. Oh, for sure. Like Kaladin, like, I don't know. The freaking Yasna, Yasna, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. I just, I don't know, yeah. But um, I just, I, thought I that still was like funny. Kaladin. I like Kaladin too. I wasn't saying I didn't like Kaladin. I was just yes, saying, you that, were. Like, well, I wasn't. I, know. I was just gonna say, like, you know, Kaladin's also done some questionable things. Like, it's yeah. just, a, I feel like the characters in Brandon Sanderson's books have a lot of depth to them. Yes, which I appreciate. I do too. Um, but anyways, moving on. He, uh, Kaladin, gets really angry at Tablaka for yep. a good reason, I would say. Yep. Um, and basically. She, the lady says, uh, that is unfortunate. And Kaladin's like, I can fight. Like, give me a spear and stuff. And Devlakov instead says, I would not trust him with a weapon. Like, he's tried to escape. Like, he's read, led rebellions. He's disobeyed. Like, you know, I cannot let let you, like, my conscience will not let you give yeah. this man a weapon. And um, Kaladin's just like, I should not have ripped up the map. Like, he's regretting it because he thinks yeah. if he hadn't ripped up the map, Tavlakov wouldn't have done this. But I think Tavlakov still would have told her the truth anyways. Um, but basically, the lady says, show me which ones. I'll still take them because of your honesty. We need some new bridgemen, which we'll find out in a little bit what that is. But Woo. because of Tavlakov was being honest with her, she decides to take some of them, not just to the forest, but yeah. also... To be Bridgman instead. Yeah. And Tavlaka was like, yep, okay. And then he turns to Kaladin, like you said, he kind of apologizes. He says, I cannot trust that you will behave. Do the voice. I don't know how to do the voice. You do the voice. Uh, every time, every week that you read Tavlaka's sentences, I want to yell at you to do the uh, voice. I don't know how to okay. do the voice. Okay, sorry. I'll do, I'll do it this time. Okay. Um, I cannot trust that you will behave. The people in this army, they will blame a merchant for not revealing all they knew. I am sorry. And so, then Tavlakov leaves. And that's really the end of, I guess, we see about Tavlakov. For now. For now. Know, he might come back. Well, for now. I'm saying for now. He doesn't come back. That's Aww. the end of Tavlakov. Poor Tavlakov. He doesn't die. Bye, Tavlakov. Bye, Tavlakov. <laughs> yeah, if he was an actor, I'd feel bad for him. But he's just a guy in a book. He just, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> he's also an awful guy in a book. He's not even that bad. No, I know. Um, anyways, Except bye, he's a slaver. I, I don't like showing empathy for slavers. Yes. Don't be a slaver. Listener. Yes. Don't be a slaver. Yes. Um. Anyways, uh, after the inspection, the noblewoman's like running on a board, like the people she wants, and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tavlakov gives her a ledger, which would detail how much each slave had paid down on their debt. And Kaladin notices that not a single one of the men had paid anything. Yeah. And he doesn't think Tavlakov's lied about the figures. He just thinks that you know. Yeah. They haven't paid anything down, right? Have haven't paid their debt at all. Or basically that the wages, it's fake. Like, all of it's fake. Like, there's no actual debt thing, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so basically she assigns most of the slaves to forest duty and then half um, half dozen other ones that go to the mess hall 
despite what she said. And then there are 10 that she, including Kaladin, who uh, basically are going to be bridge crews. Right. And so they are taken to where the uh, the bridge crews are. And uh, they're still not, we still don't know what they are. At this yeah. Point. Um, but they're taken to where the, the bridge crews are. And as they're walking there, Kaladin sees soldiers and people sitting along, like eating slop, basically like what he, he was hoping for better food, mm-hmm. but it looks like he's just going to end up eating the same thing he's been eating. Right. Which is mm-hmm. not not great. Um, this is not going super super great for for Kaladin. Uh, and they get to a place where uh, there's like a group of carpenters like assembled by like like planks and stuff and contra- like contraptions uh, mm-hmm. and stuff. And Kaladin thinks they're going to be woodworkers. And one of the soldiers is like, "Nah, you're joining the bridge crews, which is probably the worst job you could ever have, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it's got to be the worst job, right? Right. Um, and the soldiers take uh, the soldier who's leading the, the group of slaves that Kaladin's in takes uh, them to a man named Gaz. Yep. Who uh, he is described as it says he turned, revealing a face that was so scarred his beard grew in patches. He was missing one eye, and the other was brown, and didn't bother with an eye patch. Yeah. Um. So he's a very kind of ugly looking dude. And it's weird too because that's not weird, but he's described as lean and strong. Yeah. And this is the first read. I've read this book four times. This is the first time that I haven't pictured him as a short little man. For some reason, I've pictured him as a short little fat man. <laughs> but he's not a short little fat man. No. He's a tall little lean man. Yeah. Uh, but Gaz says um, he sees that uh, Kaladin and the other slaves. And he says, these spindly things, they'll barely stop an arrow. That's how you shouldn't think of your soldiers. If the way you think of them is that they're arrow fodder, that sucks. That sucks. Oh, yeah. And uh, Kaladin is like, I have military training. Like, yeah. In, he says, in the army of High Lord Amaram. And Gaz is like, I don't really care. Yeah, who gives a crap? Yes. Um, actually, I want to do a real, really short, quick Germanic reading. All right. Let's send it. Yeah. Let's send it. I have military training, Kaladin said, in the army of High Lord Amaram. I don't really care. Gaz cut in, spitting something dark to the side. Kaladin hesitated. When Amaram... You keep mentioning that name, Gas snapped. Served under some unimportant landlord, did you? Expect me to be impressed? Kaladin sighed. He'd met this kind of man before, a lesser sergeant with no hope of advancement. His only pleasure in life came from his authority over those even sawyer than himself. Well, so be it. You have a slave's mark, Gas said, snorting. I doubt you've even held a spear. Either way, you'll have to condescend to join us now, lordship. Kaladin's windspring flitted down and inspected Gaz, then closed one of her eyes, imitating him. For some reason, seeing her made Kaladin smile. Gaz misinterpreted the smile. The man scowled and stepped forward, pointing. At that moment, a loud chorus of horns echoed through the camp. Carpenters glanced up, and the soldiers who had guided Kaladin dashed back towards the center of camp. The slaves behind Kaladin looked around anxiously. Stormfather, Gaz cursed. Bridgeman, up, up, you louts! He began kicking some of the men who were eating. They scattered their bowls, scrambled to their feet, they wore simple sandals instead of proper boots. You, Lordship, Gaz said, pointing at Kaladin. I didn't say... I don't care what in damnation you said. You're on bridge four. He pointed at a group of departing bridgemen. The rest of you, go wait over there. I'll divide you up later. Get moving, or I'll see you strung up by your heels. I like doing Gaz's voice. 
I hate Gaz. No, yeah, Gaz is a terrible guy. Gaz but is I, a horrible, horrible be- human being. I like Tavlakov a thousand times more than I like Gaz. Yeah, Tavlakov. Story. I, I, I think Tavlakov was in our Wish You Were Dead first chapter. I think freaking Tavlakov made it out of there if Gaz is around. Like if Gaz is around, Tavlakov oh, is not in the for same tier. Sure. Um. Okay. Anyway, your lordship. I like saying it like that. Your lordship. That's how I think of <laughs> your lordship. Okay. Anyway, so basically, what's happening is uh. The, there's like the war is kind of starting again or they're fighting a battle is starting a battle. I, guess I should say yes um and uh Calden's been appointed appointed to bridge four and there's like 20 actually no there's a lot of bridges each like, bridge supports 40 people yeah so there's and like so bridge, 20 bridges or something like that there are 20 there are there are way more than 20 but for right now 20 are on, going on this run yeah okay anyways um basically what they do is they run up to this giant bridge and men pick it up on their shoulders, and there's a little slot for their head, and that's it's painful. Five and across, they run. So it's five across. Two on the edges so they can see, and then three who are – their entire thing are in a wooden boxed head holding a bridge on their shoulders yeah. and just sprinting. They can't see where they're going. It it sounds like the – have you ever tried to carry something with somebody else at the same time? Yes. You guys, if you're not perfectly in sync, you're gonna be bumping forward and back. Yep. In a little box for your head, your head's getting hit. That always oh, yep. that always freaked me out so bad. The yep. image of having your head in the box hole. Yep. Um, but anyways, they like I said, they get to the bridges and uh Gaz is like he he gets to bridge four and he looks around, and he's like, Where's your bridge leader? And basically find out that one of the bridgemen tossed himself into the otter honor chasm. And honor chasm. That's what I said, honor chasm. It sounded like outer chasm. I definitely said outer chasm. You probably did, but I just misheard you. I was like, what's an outer chasm? I follow now. <laughs> the outer chasm, like we talked about earlier. And um, Gaz is like, darn it. Like, why can't you just keep a bridge leader for a week? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't blame them. Yeah. I'd probably dump myself into an honor chasm too if I had to do this. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you about to describe though? Because that- It's terrible. I'm not looking forward to describing it. Um, But basically he's like, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out later based on who survives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he you at the he back tells yeah he tells Kaladin to get in the back um and basically like i said they they pick up the bridge you know but like we described earlier and they don't just walk with it no they run yeah they're, they're they jo- straight they're up run with this bridge on their shoulders which well, is a terrible and the other men in the group all have shoes they have like sandals and vests like and, with padded shoulders yes and Kaladin has none of that because Gaz didn't give him that so he's running on bare feet over with rock. nothing to protect. Yes, over rock. And also with, with a bridge on his shoulders. Yes. With nothing to protect those. Yes. Um, but he's, he's running and he's obviously in a lot of pain. Uh, and some guy next to him s- says, poor fool. And Cowden's like, are you talking to me? And he goes, you shouldn't have insulted gas. He sometimes lets new men run in an outside row. Sometimes. Um, and this guy's just being really nice to him. And he says, breathe in and out deeply. Focus on the steps. Count them. It helps. And they run for like an hour. Like they run for a long period of time. Like it's not, it's not like five minutes. It's a long period of time that they're running. More than an hour, but yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Like, well, I'm talking like each section is like yeah. an hour or so, probably. Yeah. Or less. But they run total, total, they run for like a good couple hours. Yeah. Like it's a long period of time. Which can you imagine running for that long? So, so what the, what the run is, they run from, they run across the, the, basically, they, <laughs> This is the suck. First, they run across the Shutter Plains, across a bunch of like permanent bridges, like bridges that have been there because they're close to their camp. Yeah. But eventually the permanent bridges end. And what's happening is they're running across the chasm when they run across like a, a plateau. They get to a chasm, push their bridge across. The entire army crosses. Then they cross, pick it up and have to, in the length of the plateau, 
catch up to the front. So they have yeah. to move faster than the army is moving yes. to get through well, it. Well, they yeah. get so yeah. Um, they they're they're running, and he Kaladin hopes that they'll get to their destination quickly, which obviously they don't. Um, and it says the next hour was torture. Like this is like the worst thing he's experienced so far. It's an hour before he gets to the first yes, non-permanent first bridge. Stop. And when they finally get there and they put the bridge down, they are basically allowed to stop. Like they're when they put the bridge down, the bridgemen all kind of collapse and are allowed to sit there for a little while and like breathe and like yeah, while the army crosses. Yes, the while the army crosses, they're allowed to like you know finally get their breath back and stuff, which is good, I I guess. Yeah. Um, and. So they do that. Uh, Kaladin, like, he really wants to lay there. He really just wants to lay down and, like, take a nap almost. Yeah. Um, But he doesn't because he knows that he needs to sit up and rub his muscles and keep them going because he knows he has to keep going. Um, And the guy who was friendly to uh, Kaladin while they were running says he realizes that Gaz is kind of, like, scowling at him. And uh, the guy says he's wondering why you aren't lying down. And... Mm -hmm. um, like this guy is just very nice. He doesn't get a name, which is sad. Yeah, but he he's very nice to Calden. Um, he will be know. ranked. He's a leather faced man. That's what they called him yes, over and over. They, yeah, he is the leather faced man. He's very nice. Um, again, Calden, like I said, it's just it's sitting there. He's talking to the the leather the leathery bridge man. Mm-hmm. He says, "Is that the king?" And the the bridge man says, "We could only wish." And he says, "If that were the king, then that would mean we were in Bright Lord Dalinar's army." And Calden said, "Uh." Kaladin says, he's a high prince, right? The king's uncle. Yep. And he says, I, the be- best of men, the most honorable shard bearer in the king's army. They say he's never broken his word. Um, And Kaladin like, is like, yeah, okay, sure. Like He doesn't fully believe that because he's already been in the army and he kind of, you know, mm-hmm. relates to the fact that they're not all honest, right? Yeah. Um, And then at this point, uh, well, actually, the, the leather leatherly face guy says he doesn't use bridge crews, not like these at least, which... Would be good for them if they were in his army because yep. that's just straight torture. That's terrible. Yeah, Dalinar's a good... It, it seems like people think Dalinar's a good guy. Yeah. Um. But anyways, Gaz basically yells, all right, you guys, it's time to get up and to go. And Kaladin thinks they're going back. Yeah. And the Bridgman's like, back? We're not going back. We're not even close to being there. And then he says, arriving is the worst part. So they've already ran for an hour and they're not even a co- like close to being yes. done. So they pick the... They go across the bridge pick it up, and start sprinting again to try and catch up to the army. Because they have to get to the front before the chasm ends. Yes. the next chasm. Yes. So it's, it's a sprint, essentially. Yes, it's a straight sprint. Um, And this just basically keeps happening. They keep lifting, dropping it, having to pick it up again, continue to run. Like, yeah. you know, Kaladin kind of wishes they were dead. He was dead, yeah. which is 100% fair, I think. Um, And eventually, they do finally get to the end. The spot where they finally get to their destination, however many hours later, they finally get to where they want to be. Well, first, and can I describe, Kaladin has, by this point, because he was not given sandals or a vest. Yes. He has blood running down his shoulders. His feet are bloody and scarred. Yes. Um, like, dude is in pain, and, like, his mind is starting to go numb. Like, his, yeah. Like, his, the, the chapter starts getting weirder and weirder because his brain starts, like, going out. Yeah. And so, and so that feels, like, important to mention is he, it's been... A bit. Yeah. Like he's been going. Yeah. Um, but they finally get to where they want to be. And uh he Kaladin realizes that there's like people on the other side, right? Of yeah. where the next the next chasm is, the next like uh crack in the ground where they're trying to put their bridges. There's people on the other side of it. And Should we dramatically read the approach. Yeah. Sure. Okay, let's do it. Tenela Alin. 
bearer of all agonies, said the man to his right, voice horrified. It's going to be a bad one. They're already lined up. It's going to be a bad one. Kaladin blinked, focusing on the approaching chasm. On the other side of the rift stood a rank of men with marble crimson and black skin. They were wearing a strange, rusty orange armor that covered their forearms, chests, heads, and legs. It took his numbed mind a moment to understand. The Parshendi. They weren't like common Parshman workers. They were far more muscular, far more solid. They had the bulky build of soldiers, and each one carried a weapon strapped to his back. Some wore dark red and black beards tied with bits of rock, while others were clean-shaven. As Kaladin watched, the front row of Parshendi knelt down. They held short bows, arrows knocked. Not long bows intended to launch arrows high and far. Short, recurved bows to fire straight and quick and strong. An excellent bow to use for killing a group of bridgemen before they could lay their bridge. Arriving is the worst part. Now, finally, the real nightmare began. Gaz hung back, bellowing at the bridge crews to keep going. Kaladin's instinct screamed at him to get out of the line of fire, but the momentum of the bridge forced him forward. Forced him down the throat of the beast itself, its teeth poised to snap close. Kaladin's exhaustion and pain fled. He was shocked, alert. The bridges charged forward, the men beneath them screaming as they ran. Ran towards death. The archers released. The first wave killed Kaladin's leathery-faced friend, dropping him with three separate arrows. The man to Kaladin's left fell as well. Kaladin hadn't even seen his face. That man cried out as he dropped, not dead immediately, but the bridge crew trampled him. The bridge got noticeably heavier as men died. The Barshendi calmly drew a second volley and launched. To the side, Kaladin barely noticed another of the bridge crews floundering. The Barshendi seemed to focus their fire on certain crews. That one got a full wave of arrows from dozens of archers, and the first three rows of bridgemen dropped and tripped those behind them. Their bridge lurched, skidding on the ground and making a sickening crunch as the massive bodies fell over one another. Arrows zipped past Kaladin, killing the other two men in the front line with him. Several other arrows smacked into the wood around him, one slicing open the skin of his cheek. He screamed, in horror, in shock, in pain, in sheer bewilderment. Never before had he felt so powerless in a battle. He'd charged enemy fortifications, he'd run beneath waves of arrows, but he'd always felt a measure of control. He'd had his spear, he'd had his shield, he could fight back. Not this time. The bridge crews were like hogs running to the slaughter. A third volley flew, and another of the twenty bridge crews fell. Waves of arrows came from the Alethi side as well, falling and striking the Parshendi. Kaladin's bridge was almost to the chasm. He could see the black eyes of the Parshendi on the other side, could make out the features of their lean, marbled faces. All around him, bridgemen were screaming in pain, arrows cutting them out from underneath their bridges. There was a crashing sound as another bridge dropped, its bridgemen slaughtered. Behind, Gaz called out, Lift him down, you fools! The bridge crew lurched to a stop as the Parshendi launched another volley. Men behind Kaladin screamed. The Parshendi firing was interrupted by a return volley from the Alethi army. Though he was shocked senseless, Kaladin's reflexes knew what to do. Drop the bridge, get into position to push. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. We, we should also mention, yeah. half right before the last thing, the people in the back were moved to the front and vice versa. Yes, yeah, so Kaladin's now in the front row. Yes, yeah, so he was... He was in the front row for he could actually see, but he was forced to charge straight at. And also, it makes sense. Earlier in the book, we Kaladin's army had charged somebody, but they had launched volleys of arrows because yeah. they're trying to kill the ranks. Here it makes sense to get to me, you have to lay a bridge. Yeah. If we could stop you from laying a bridge to begin with, we win the war. We win the fight. Yeah. And so it, it makes sense that that would be their method. Yes. But Boy, is it terrible to make someone sprint at that. Oh, for sure. It's just the image of this is awful. Like, it's just terrible. And the, one of the first other real people that you like dies from the first volley. Yeah, like the immediately. Le- Leatherman does not even make it past the, like, it's, you finally get to like a guy. This is the first character who you're like, he seems actually just unconditionally kind. Yes. And he dies 
without ever knowing his name. Like, yeah, oh, man. he just dies immediately, which is so sad. Um, but anyways, Kaladin finally he like about falls into the void. Yeah, like, but they, he he's able to come back, and he's actually able to push the um the bridge yep. out over the the chasm. And then he he tries to crawl back away from it, but he can't. Like, he literally physically can't. He's in so much pain. He's so scared that he just physically can't. And he's he says, I should go, or he thinks this. He says, in his thoughts, it says, I should go. See if that leathery-faced man is still alive. Bind his wounds. Save. But he can't. Like, he literally can't move, and he just passes out. Out. Like a light bulb. Yeah. Turn me on like a light switch. Okay. What's that guy's name that sings that? I don't know. It's the guy who has perfect pitch on TikTok. What? He's a he's a famous singer. I don't know. Anyway, I just see that's you got me in. You got that in my head. Okay. Well, anyways, um <laughs> Calden, Calden passes out. And next thing, the next thing that happens is his voice is said. So it says Calden, and he doesn't want to open his eyes. He doesn't want to come back to the pain. Like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want to. He, he the world is a nightmare and he just wants to die. Like he doesn't want to go back. He just wants to go. And it says, Kaladin, the feminine voice was soft like a whisper, yet still urgent. They're going to leave you. Get up. You'll die. Um, and he gets whacked in the face. And he wakes up. And he realizes that um, uh, it's his windspread friend. So it's it's Syl. Right? Yeah. Syl. Yeah. It's Syl who wakes him up, which is amazing. I love Syl. Um, she wakes him up. And basically saves his life. Yeah. And he realizes that there are bridgemen, the, the ones that have survived, that are shaking all the ones who are dead to see if they're alive. And if they're not, they're like taking their stuff, right? And so they wouldn't have ever come to see Kaladin. Yeah. Because he didn't have he didn't have vest or sandals to actually check. Yeah. So they wouldn't ever bother shaking him awake because they, if you want, if he's even if he is alive, we don't care. He doesn't have anything I want, you know. So yeah. Um, but still saved him. Still saves his life and. He he realizes that and he asks he asks Syl if she's got a name. And before uh he like she can answer, he kind of looks around and explains like the basically he sees all the dead Parshendi, and so he assumes the Lethi have won this this battle because there don't seem to be any Parshendi still alive, or if yeah. they are they've, they've, they've fled. Yeah. Um and the wind the wind's friend, Syl says a name. Yes, I do have a name. Why do I have a name? And Calden's like, I don't know. How, what, why would I know? Whatever. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he finally is able to get up and like he can barely limp around, but he is able to walk. And the other bridgemen look at him and like, oh my gosh, you're actually alive. Because they thought he was dead. Yeah. Um, and he goes over to his his leathery faced man friend who is dead, and he takes off the guy's sandals and his vest so he can have them for the return. Brutal. Yeah. Your friend, the first time you have like it's it's brutal that they make him like that's the guy that he harvests from. I mean, it's good writing because it makes you feel like oh. Yeah. About him having to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's almost kind of like his the one guy who's been nice to him so far in this book actually like final even gift. Even though he yes, it's like a gift to him. Even though he's dead, he's yeah. still gifting him even in his death. Right. Which I think is kind of nice. That's kind of yeah, that's kind of poetic, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he Kaladin sits down and tries to like clean his wounds as much as he can and like tie them and so he changes and like change into the vest and the shoes and stuff. Um and the wind spread still continues to talk. And she goes, a name. She says a name, and then she says, uh, "She's in the shape of a young woman." By the way, just yeah. saying. She says, "Silfrena," and Calvin repeats that, and she says, "Sil." That's amusing. I appears that I have a nickname. And I think that's kind of interesting <laughs> and because the, and the it Cal seems says, congratulations. Yes, but it's interesting because it seems almost like 
it's odd that Winspren would have a name. Like, oh, yeah, he I, would. they shouldn't have names, right? Kaladin's like, they shouldn't even like know my name. They shouldn't, yes. be, able, they shouldn't be able to and comprehend it, this. It's weird that she she almost is like, why do I have a name? Like, she right. asked that. Like, she doesn't un- un- she doesn't even know why she has a name. Right. Um. But anyways, uh, Kaladin stands up again and is kind of wobbling around. And Gaz realizes that he's still alive. And Gaz says, you. And then points to the bridge and says, either carry or stay behind. And Kaladin's like, honestly, he, well, he realizes he was supposed to die. That's why... He was put in the front. He had no shoes and stuff. It's because Gaz wanted him to die. Yeah. And Gaz is like low-key kind of mad that he survived. That's uh, why they said give him special treatment. Earlier when they said give him special treatment, what it meant was put him in the most dangerous bridge crew and make him run at the front. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, terrible. That is terrible. Um, But Kaladin doesn't, you know, he he doesn't honestly want to go back, but he realizes that's his only option is to go right. back yeah. uh, because he dies staying here. And as he goes over to pick up the bridge... Uh, one of the other bridgemen says, don't worry. They'll let us go slow this time. Take lots of breaks. And we'll have a few soldiers to help. Takes at least 25 men to lift a bridge. Right. Um, so at least it'll be a little bit easier on the way back. And they won't be at a dead sprint. And at least Kaladin now has shoes and stuff. I mean, yep. it's still going to suck. But it won't be terrible. Um, and basically, this chapter just ends with Kaladin thinking that he didn't think there was anything else that could get worse in his life. And he realizes that, yeah, he was wrong. There is one final. To- it says. The chapter ends with it says, one final torment the world had reserved just for Kaladin, and it was called Bridge Four. One thing I want to say about this book so far, they know how to end a chapter. Oh, Every for chapter sure. has like a baller one liner. Oh, for sure. Every chapter's end one liner at the end is like, and she was going to steal it, or Shalon took a deep breath and turned the corner to meet her fate, or yeah. there's one final torment on this play earth. And yeah. it was called Bridge. Like yeah. do knows how to end a chapter. Oh, for sure. Um, so now it's time to get into theories. Um, Sydney, first thing I have to ask you about is do you think, like, what is Kaladin going to do next? Okay. Um. So I think that, I think he's going to, so I think he'll continue surviving the bridges. Because um, it'd be crazy if they just yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine with, like, a couple chapters on the road, Kaladin just is murdered and that's the end of Kaladin, like, no more? It That'd d- be such a plot twist. You know what happened? That happened to CN immediately, though. So, like. Okay. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, Anyways, but I think so. I think Kaladin will continue surviving the bridges, and he will get ranked up to a, a bridge master. Right? Is that right? Bridge bridge leader, but bridge leader, bridge leader. Yeah. So I think he gets ranked up to bridge leader, and then um, just by just. But Gaz hates him. Well, I don't know. I think somehow he's going to get ranked up. Okay. And then I think he's going to continue to grow, and somehow I think he's going to end up in the army, or like somehow he's going to like escape or something. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. He's going to get out of there somehow. I don't know how yet, but yeah. somehow. That's okay. I like that. There. I mean, there's not much more to ask about that in particular. Yeah. Uh, now I, this is a question for you. Like, what activates the skirmishes on specific plateaus? Do you think? Okay, so I think like. Because we know, like, the Shattered shattered Plains, right? There's, like, different camps, like, right, you know, like... Along the edge along of it. Along the yeah. edge of it, right? Um, I think that the, like, little skirmishes that happen yeah. on the different plateaus are them trying to get over to... And, like, the Parshendi are trying to get over to the Alethi side and, yeah. uh, you know, take over it, right? Like, take it over. Make it okay. become th- theirs, right? Yep. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me think. Is there any other? Are there any other like important things that you need to know about? Um, N- not need to know oh, about. I won't I tell you theory, anything. I have a theory. I have a theory on uh, Syl. Tell me. So our our, our uh, little wind, spren girl, wind spren friend. Yeah. I forgot what her wind what spren she was. <laughs> wind spren friend. Um, I think that for some reason she is like 
maybe like a spirit or something of the wind. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> I mean, I think she's like a spirit of someone who was alive because we know that spren shouldn't like be able to talk or like not necessarily talk they can talk but shouldn't have names and they shouldn't know people's names right yeah, that's two things so we've established. i think that um she for some reason is like a spirit of maybe like one of the 10 or a spirit of mm. somebody who was really important way okay. back when um, okay. and she doesn't necessarily remember it like you know broken she, mind yes yes yeah. that that's a good a good statement i like that yeah. Um, but th- that's what I think. That's why I think she and I think she's going to, as the story goes on, figure out why, you know, she can like has a name and knows Kaladin's name. Yeah. And she's going to she's going to help him. I also think part of the reason Kaladin's going to be able to move up is because she's going to he's going to have her help. Cheater. OK, well, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to life or death, honestly, I get it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, So we're going to go ahead. And uh, I think. Is there anything else we need to talk about before it's time? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's everything. Is there anything else we want to add? Uh, listener, just so you're aware, we had a big a big technical whoopsie and yep. recorded the whole thing. Yep. And then realized about right before this last theory time, yep. the audio just switched to a different device and it yep. sounded terrible. Yep. So now we're several days later re-recording. And so we both are kind of forgetting exactly what we said the original time. Yep. So if we miss something important, f- forgive me. Yes. Not her, just me. Uh, um, excuse me. And also, fun for the first time, we have a live studio audience. Give us a woo. <laughs> <laughs> Our buddy is sitting in the in the studio with us doing homework. Yeah, so he's... He, he tagged along. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Marcus. <laughs> Our good buddy Marcus. Um, so now it's time to rank the characters. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Um, here's the thing, because we already recorded uh we have them. We have yeah, them ranked. We, uh, uh, we've already ranked them. Um, so what we're going to do, uh, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different than normal, but we're going to uh, read you our week two list. So all the characters we saw this week, and we're going to discuss why we put each character where we put them. Yeah. And then we also did our top five, bottom five group. So we started that this yes, week. Yes. So we started that. So um, we've just kind of picked our favorite characters that we've seen so far yep. and rank them in order of who we like the best and then we take our least favorite characters that we've seen so far and we've ranked them in order of who we like the, the least. least um all right so for the the this this weekly ranking uh i would normally read who we saw this week but the issue is who we saw and the ranking will be read in one foul swoop yes so uh we have top kaladin he's super cool Yes. Uh, did a bloody run, survived. Good yeah, for him. He's he's a very chill dude. I'm a big fan of Kaladin. Shalon, she so, have she's had some issues. Yeah, she uh maybe doesn't have the best motivation in the world, but um, she's a cool lady. But she's she's fun. I love how sassy she was. Like I like I said earlier. Yeah. In the um dramatic reading when we did her, I enjoyed playing sassy Shalon. That yep. was fun. I enjoyed that very much, and so I I very much like her. I like her her sassiness. Her her vibes are they're good. Silfrena saved Kaladin's life. Yes. Uh, cool little blue lady. Just is she a, blue or is she clear? She's like a translucent blue. Okay. Like For some reason blue. in my brain, the windspren would be like a clearish color. If I spoiled that, I don't think it's a spoiler. I think they're just blue. That's what she'd be picturing. Well, I don't I don't know. I just that's what I'm, in my mind they're 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 like a clearish windish blue. color. Yeah. Cuz wind is wind clear <laughs> wind colored? No, my it's point wind is, colored. No, my point is <laughs> My point is, wind doesn't have a color. So then how would like, he have seen her? No, because they're like you, they like an opaqueish kind of. 
like they're not like fully- opaque clear are <laughs> contradictory sydney you can't be opaque and clear okay do you well, mean translucent you know translucent no i mean like okay not fully clear but like translucent you know what whatever Okay. Like well enough that you can see them. I was saying like glass, opaque. like a solid glass. Yes, like okay. you can see that they're there. Like yeah. that's why I was saying by opaque is they're not like fully like invisible. Right. Uh, blue. Anyway, uh, okay. next we have Yalb, <laughs> basically, which is a funny guy who is nice to Shalon. So we're, we're all about that. Yeah. Then we got Tazbek. Once again, just a nice guy. Encourage yes. her to be herself. Really yeah. big fan of that. Yeah. Yasna, kind of a jerk. Oh, for sure. Kind of a jerk. But she's like a fun character. And Shalon thinks she's hot. <laughs> he, and that's okay. a win. She didn't specifically say hot. She said beautiful. There's a difference. And busty. <laughs> she did say busty. Uh, and yeah, like yeah. a mature beauty. Yeah. She's hot. Um, and then we have Ashlev, who's just the wife who talked one time. So yes. he's she's there. Then there's Tara Vangian, who once again, just a nice old guy. And so I don't even remember who that is. The king that Yasa oh, talks to. That's right. That's right. His granddaughter got saved. He yeah. seems like a good guy. Yep. Uh, and then, he obviously very much cares about his, his yes. grandchild. So that's then, sweet. Then we have the Wish You Were Dead tier. At the top uh-huh. of that, we have Tavlakov. Because yes. he's kind of a bad guy. But also, he's funny and kind of likable. Yeah, he has like... I feel like he's got a sense of humor, kind of. Yeah. And he's like, like Kaladin said in the book, he's not... He's like, hard to he's dislike. He's hard to dislike. Yeah. But also, he's a slaver and has a slave murdered. So Here's the thing. If you own slaves... Wish you were dead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. That's the spot that I'm at right now. Oh, if you own sure. slaves, wish you were dead. Yeah. Uh, then we got Bluth and Tag, who are people who help a man own slaves and killed a guy because he's sick. Yeah. Not great. Hashai, just kind of a jerk. She's a oh, lady. She was the noble woman lady. Yeah. That bought the slaves. Yeah. If you own slaves, I wish you were dead. Uh, and then there is Gaz, who it's is the, the worst. The worst. <laughs> he's terrible. We do not like Gaz. Yeah. Not a fan. Uh, and then we have a character who definitely did die this episode. Uh, but uh, we really, really did like him. So he's the top of dead. But he's the only dead person in dead right now. Yeah. But he's the top. It's the leather-faced man. Yeah. He's, okay, he didn't have a name, but he had the title of leather-faced man. Yeah. And he talked quite a bit. And so he, he snuck on the list. he was very nice. He was very sweet. We loved him. He, in fact, he was sweet enough, spoiler alert, to sneak onto our uh, top five of all time characters. Which is kind of funny if you think about it because... I guess that in- can include people who are dead, but yeah. It, yeah, he probably won't stay there for longer than this week. Well, we only have 17 characters to choose from, so it's not like we have yes, a lot of choices. we don't have a lot of options, but we wanted to start the top five, bottom five this week just to yeah, get, get it, it going. going. Absolutely. Um, so, Sydney, do you want to read the top five? For for sure. Um, so we have Kaladin. Uh, best character? Best character, for sure. Um, we love him. There's not really much more to say. It's the same reason that, that we said earlier. Yeah. Shallan, same reason. Shallan, same reason. Still, still same reason. Um, Leatherface Man, again. The he, nicest human nice being. Nice dude. And then we picked... Um, he, he ate an arrow instantly. That's so bad for him. I know, him. that's so sad. And then we have uh, Zeth. Cool. Was, cool if dude. If you remember from last week, he was there. Yeah, he... The only reason he stuck onto this is because we needed another person that we really liked. And also, he, yeah, he is a pretty chill dude. Um, no, he's not chill. He murdered a bunch. But he's well, cool. He's a cool, yes, he's a cool character. Uh, I don't know if we'll see him again, so he probably won't stay on this list for very long either. Yep. But who knows? Um, the fun thing about this is this list can change a lot. Woohoo. Absolutely. Now we got bottom five. Yeah, so bottom five, we have Tavlakov, 
uh, for obvious reasons. Own slaves. Not not the worst character in the world, but not great. And then we have Booth and Tag again, like we said earlier, not fun, not good people. Own slaves. Yep. Then we have uh, Hashai, who is the again the noble woman who she, bought she, the slaves. Yep. Not fun either. Own slaves. And then, of course, our very bottom five, our least favorite character in this book so far is, of course, Gaz. Gaz. And it's funny, the bottom five is the exact same people in the exact same order as I wish you were dead. Yep. So, I mean, our our priorities stayed the same. <laughs> to be fair, it'll probably be like that a lot, except yep. for like characters that jump in that like maybe we didn't see that week. Yeah. Or char- new characters that we did, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, Already. But, yes. Definitely the wish you were dead people are probably going to be the, the bottom five <laughs> for the most part. Or dead. We might really dislike somebody who does die. So. Oh, that's true, too. That's true, too. Alrighty. Now, uh, I think that's everything for our actual show. Yeah. I think so. I, yeah. You know, listen, I'm very thrown off by this whole deal that just happened. <laughs> so I'm doing my best. We're um, trying. We're really, really trying. Cindy, what should I do next week? Um, yes. Next week, make sure you read chapter seven through ten. Or else, Sydney will take you on a nice, fun little adventure to the bottom of the to the bottom of the honor chasm. <laughs> and I will hold your hand on the way I down. Will, I will grab your hand, and we will we will fall down the honor chasm together. If you decide not to read, mm-hmm. I will do it with you. So here's the thing: that sucks. The end of that adventure sucks. But really, up to the the bottom sounds pretty romantic. So. If <laughs> If you're pretty excited <laughs> about that, uh, go ahead and skip reading this week. But otherwise, make oh sure you have it read. Um, we want to say thank you to you for listening. We really appreciate it. Also, thank you to Alesia for uh, making our intro and outro. That's It's called Storm Runner Remake. That's definitely Wind Runner Remake, sorry, <laughs> on Spotify. Uh, that is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify. Once yep. again, that is Wind Runner Remake. Sorry, I said it wrong the first time. Forgive me. Um, How dare you? Is there anything else I need to say? Um, no, I don't think so. Just make sure you read those chapters. Yep. We really, really appreciate you for listening. You're super cool. I'm Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyrely. I love you. Peace. Why are you still here? The show's over.